everybody. Welcome to episode 45 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler, Long Live Cowboys. What is up, everybody? We're back. Episode today featuring Cody Teal. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me get to the boys first. Jason, what's up, dog? No comment. What's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? Just trying to get over the vid. Oh, <laughs> you're sick? Are you are you claiming it as full fledged the COVID? No. no, I would never. You know me. <laughs> I got the seasonal flu. Yeah, there you go. So a little bit don't, down know. Yeah, don't lie. You fucking self-tested about 12 times already. Come on. Yeah, you went and got the job. Went and got the fucking vaccine after he started feeling like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you just walk in you just walk into the clinic and just be like hit me again I get this plan put more boosters <laughs> more boosters fucking boost me yeah. I'm going down are you okay though oh, it's uh, been busy around here man we just on sale two events today Brandon and uh, Edmonton yep those Beauty. were announced today um, Scott's messed up province of manitoba is going to keep us from coming to winnipeg april 23rd that was awesome news last don't week. fucking get me started <laughs> let's but get him started we're already <laughs> in true pbr fashion we're already rolling on to a new one we got Kelowna booked uh july 20th which will be fun that's yeah the boys always have a fun time in Kelowna in july uh, yeah yeah not a bad yeah game. single single bull riders seem to do very well in Kelowna july ish mm-hmm. No, Hot there's summer. no scenery. No scenery. Lots of orange trees, eh? <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, lemon, so, uh, just to clarify trees. that, to clarify <laughs> that, PBR Canada Cup schedule change. We're supposed to be in Winnipeg for the first Cup event, and it's now been canceled. Uh, I I just want to touch on that. Uh, very disappointed. Please, please, Scott, get the number to the city council so all of our listeners can phone and ask why. Yeah, okay. can, we, can we get to that? What, why it was canceled, I guess? People are probably wondering that. Can we talk yeah. about it or what? Yeah, they just don't feel that we look after livestock and um, we're kind of thrown in that same category as circus, which there's no circuses allowed in Winnipeg. Um, so, yeah, we thought we were exempt you know we have how many consecutive monster energy events without any you know any harm to any animals but that doesn't mean anything apparently so it's unfortunate but we're we're gonna we're we're not done we're gonna fight it and so we can hopefully come back to winnipeg again we have great pbr fans in in the winnipeg area so i guess they're all going to come down to brandon in june watch us there and you will see that uh, there is there's a pile of people excited here that it's you know take like you said tickets went on sale. Um, very disgusted with the city of Winnipeg. I've had lots of friends inquire. They've been emailing the city. Um, they're just uh, a little insulted that a Western lifestyle event is being canceled in that city. And um, I'd like to. I, I don't know. It just disgusted me. I couldn't believe it, actually. Um, but then nowadays, you 
there's lots of stuff you can't believe that's happening, but uh, hey, it's going to be bigger and better in Brandon. I mean, the people that used to travel from Brandon to Winnipeg are now going to be Winnipeg traveling into Brandon. Better for Brandon. Let's roll. I mean, it's looking like it's going to be sold out. So there's a lot of excitement around it. Here, here. That's yeah, it's not a good start. Like you don't need Western provinces starting to have animal rights you know you kind of expect that in different areas <laughs> where <laughs> trudeau takes the lead or uh, bc has always been that but like people just need to do some fucking research on it we take better care of our animals than any fucking person that has any animal in town or in the city as dogs and cats all that sort of stuff if they just come to these events and actually like see the care that these animals get go to a, a stock contractor's house see how well they take care of these animals you truly understand that these these animals do live the best life possible for them so it's just fucking ignorance for people to that don't have a clue never been to an event just assume that it's I don't know that we're like a fucking circus or like we're like carnies, you know, it's a true professional sport to it. The animals get the utmost care better than fucking we get cared for most of the time. So uh, it's the same as like Texas right now. I, I posted a thing of uh, that all the fires are going on right now. Right. And um, it's, it's really bad. We're obviously thinking of, of everybody in Texas right now with all those crazy fires, but who's the ones in there trying to take care of all the animals that are, that are in these fires. It's all the cowboys and cowboys coming from, all different states and provinces and the people that are in the battle that always get the bad reputation as the people that aren't taking care of animals as the animal owners of farms or ranches or, or bull owners, cowboys. They're the ones out there saving these fucking animals, not the animal rights activists that are sitting in New York or wherever they're at that think that, that these animals aren't taken care of. So do a little bit of research before you try to fuck with uh, the Western lifestyle and understand that, that these animals mean a hell of a lot more to us than anything else. So. Casey's going to whip your ass for bringing up New York right there. You know, oh, I don't <laughs> fucking care. No, that's, see, that, that's kind of, yeah. I shouldn't say New but York, you know right? That's the same thing. Though, that's like, that's reality, putting them in a box too. But places. In all reality, it was one council member, city council member in Winnipeg. And really, when you think about it, like that was our only event for the whole month. It's like since January, February, March, April. Like some of these livestock producers probably would have to call some of their animals because they can't afford to feed them that long. 100%. Going to work. So it's doing more harm that we're not doing the event than it probably is the fact that we are doing the event, you know? I, I think so. the shitty thing that pisses me off the most is that we sat for two years roughly, you know, with COVID and everything, which in my opinion, after this went down literally a month prior to uh, showtime, um, it seems, seems like, you know, they it was just a good excuse to sit around and do, and not have to deal with it for two years. And now when it's this close, then they pull the trigger on it. Well, that's shitty. That's a shitty deal. I guess yep. move on. And like you say, go to other places, but yeah, it would We're be going to K town boys. Yeah. It's just not Get great your sunscreen to see out there. LT. You don't want to burn that big forehead of yours. Oh, <laughs> My receding hairline, following in fucking your guys' footsteps. <laughs> hey man, you know what they say: grass does not grow on a busy street. That's right. That must be my issue right now. Too much shit going on in my head. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of hair, do you guys notice that fucking uh, mullets and mustaches are heavily back in style? Like everybody's got fucking sick mullets and mustaches. Do you guys notice that? I didn't know it went out of style. 
<laughs> I was gonna ask you guys because I've been noticing it, like Kyler Oliver, and there's some of these guys on tour that got some pretty good, pretty good mullets going on. Some guys with mustaches. I really noticed it at Houston. Lots of the Bronc riders and different guys got some fucking full fledged '80s porn star mustaches going on. Um, was that was that? I know, like my dad's generation was full fledged mullets and mustaches. Was that your guys' generation oh, yeah. as well? Was that in at your point? And then when, yeah, when did they go out? Uh, you guys lived through it. Let's hear it. Let's oh, hear it, yeah. Scott. From like seven, age 16, 15, 16, probably right to like 21. I had five years of mullet, I think. Really? Fuck. Yeah, you did. You, yours was so good, you, you blow dried it after you showered, man. Permit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I never permed it. No, I never ever did a perm. Yeah, Scott, yeah, I see some pictures they, of you with some sweet ones. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was a full mullet wearer for a lot of years. It was the thing. Yeah, I used it to was... put. We used to shave lines in the side, hockey <laughs> yeah. numbers in the side of our head too. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had quite a few numbers in the side of my head from my East Central Hornets days because I was always playing <laughs> goal and right wing and. <laughs> trying to get a looking for the scouts in the stands oh, shave this out put a new number in i'm playing forward tonight yeah yeah diversity uh, uh when did they is. when did they go out of style like what the 90s or do you guys remember when everybody went away from it i remember my dad yeah, shaving his mustache and it was like holy fuck this yeah is wild. i think early 90s late 80s and then into the 90s that we cut them off we cut it off yeah maybe 92 three ish yeah. I can't remember. I like I still it. had I still had one in '95 when I started fighting bulls. So. <laughs> yeah, boy. You are from PA though. You're, you're kind <laughs> of a year and a half. You're a year and a half behind always. <laughs> oh fuck! You're from fucking ninety clicks down the road. Fuck stick. <laughs> like, yeah, but Pony Express takes a long time from here to there to get the news, man. There was no Ethernet cables back then. No internet. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. I think I'm going to try to, I might bring that back. I think I can get a good stash going on. Well, maybe a mullet too. I should, I, I had long, long, long hair for quite some time. But oh, don't do that again. Please. No, mine doesn't go mullet. That's the thing. It just goes oh, a straight fucking afro. Yeah. Fro. I know. I wish I had like a little bit straighter and flowier, but just go, grows up. You got to blow dry it, man. You got to blow dry it. Yeah, and it's thinning now, so maybe it'll be different. I'll try it. Be like Jesse. See, my Jesse still got his long <laughs> ass fucking hair. He puts it in the bun and shit now too. I see him really doing it. Mustache for sure, though. I'm going mustache me this year for sure. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. I don't grow a very up. good mustache. I just it doesn't really come in that thick for me. I don't know. I have Mine's... no problem growing beard, but it's multicolored. I got a little white, a little gray, <laughs> red, <laughs> brown, Neapolitan beard. Scott's got no trouble. Mine's a little, mine's kind of the like the opposite of a Hitler stash. It doesn't grow right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. We'll no. see. We'll bring it back. Well, see where it goes. As part of our last podcast conversation, Jason, you missed that one. You were super busy there last time again, as per per usual, making us all Sorry, money. Boys. But, There's uh, only one of me. <laughs> Thank anyway, God. now that you got your Thank jabs, what, what did you want to say? Um, we were talking about Kaike Pacheco and how the payout was going to be for winning the $2.1 million at the American. And I had stated that I assumed it'd be like the world championship where it was $100,000 a year for 10 years. 
or in his yeah. case, two hundred thousand dollars a year for ten years. It was two point one. Uh, in talking, I had a couple a text message from Tanner Gerlitz who said that he heard from Keenan Vine as well. A couple days later, Casey Lane, who is uh, one of the big dogs high ups with Teton Ridge, Teton. reached out to me and told me that him and Silvano waited for two hours after the bull rider after the rodeo was finished, and they scratched him a fucking check for two point one million dollars, oh. and, and he left there with it. I wonder if the bank had an issue cap. Like, do you think they made the bank manager come up to sign off on that one? Which is a pet peeve of mine. You go to the bank, you go to the bank, you're depositing money into your account. And like, oh, just one, just one minute, please. I'll have to get my superior to sign off on this. No, how about you just send me a text or an email that it's fine in 20 minutes because I'm leaving now. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking there would have been a hold on it for, you know, roughly uh, eight to 10 days, 2.1 million. You don't see that come across the counter too often. Uh, with nice not so much way. English speaking, they probably would probably hey, know we, the tellers. Not, whatever, but. Was it on the podcast we were figuring out what that is in Brazilian dollars or was that offline we were doing that? I think we talked about it last week too. Five point some, five and a half mil yeah. Brazilian dollars. So, yeah, that's, yeah, you can uh, put that in the bank and live off some interest for a while with that yeah. one good for him but yeah i couldn't believe that fucking big check to the big bank and <laughs> here we go good for him done and done obviously yeah. uh teats on ridge not messing around the real fucking deal smashing checks through like that and i'm sure putting on that event all that other stuff that that they got going on that's not the biggest fucking check that gets <laughs> scratched out in the last while you know. for them guys it's cool good to see you good for the sport um, and then he keeps going on with that hot streak. Kaike, uh, last weekend smashes out a pretty good 91 or 92 on a bull called Pookie Holler, uh, which was a really good ride. Seems like that just kind of set him up, gave him the confidence back in the game where he's going to be back in that world championship contention again. Did you guys watch any of the, the bull riding Facebook on uh, PBR Canada's page, or are you guys probably busy? Did not. Did you watch it on our? Facebook page? Yeah, that's been awesome. Big nice. shout out there, PBR Canada. They've been getting more viewers and shit too. There was a couple hundred there last week I seen, so that's good. People well, that's are good. getting into it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's what we've all been asking for for a long time is some way to watch anything. Well, so exactly. Yeah. So that's been good. Been getting to follow along with that right there on Facebook. And uh, Scott's pick of a world champion is fucking still in the in the race man so he moved Number down two. to second yeah he moved down to second to well, the old boy the old veteran passes him but scott what do you think you fucking you're looking pretty smart right now bud well i am pretty smart tanner you know that um <laughs> uh well he just needed it he's just taking a little breather you know just uh just relaxing for one and then he'll come back and sit in number one right till uh, the finals. So, and then probably continue through and uh, be world champion. I'm predicting. So uh, that Pendleton's going to taste pretty good in the end that you guys are going to buy me. So not too shabby. This thought I'd clarify that you are buying that. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the heads up, Scott. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I like it. <laughs> um, speaking of Dalen too, did you guys see the feature that they did on him? The yes. Other day? Did you know? Yes. Did you know all that stuff, Jason? I did not know that. Holy I shit! I did not know that. I know. I know Dale and stepfather very well, Sam Swearingen. I knew is that, that who's always who dad, always but I comes with him to the Canada events. Who yeah. Are all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Sam, I got to know Sam my first trip to Saint Sid. 
well, whatever that was, 1999 or 2000. So Sam's a stock contractor over there in New York, works with BJ Prince up here and great guy. Um, and I never knew any of that other stuff. And I don't think, I think you need to tune into the PBR website and give that a listen. It's uh, wow. Something else. Fuck. Did you see the feature, Scott? No, I didn't. I did not. I will now. I'll have to look it up. Here. Yeah. I won't butcher it for anybody, but the moral of it is his mom was shot in the head in her uh, place office. of place of work. Yeah. Right in her yeah. office when Dalen was a little boy and they grew up just them like um, with her trying to get cognitive function and everything back from the effects of all that. And it was just her and him and his brother. Right. And they just fucking took on the world. It's pretty cool. It's like an amazing story that I've known Dalen for a very long time and didn't he's, he's a quiet guy, right? He never, oh, he's yeah. never talking or outspoken or, you know, that guy, he's always just level and calm, but yeah, go to the PBR website and look at the feature on, on Dalen and, his mom and his family dynamic. It's pretty inspirational where he's at and what they had to go through. Shout out to them. I agree. I, I think that maybe plays into when you hear him talk or you're, they interview him. He's always grateful. He's always grateful no matter what he wins, wins or doesn't win or whatever. He's always upbeat and got a smile on his face and uh, um, thankful for everything that comes his way. So that definitely makes sense for sure. It's pretty crazy too, to think that in, Less than two months from right now, there's going to be a world champion crowned mm-hmm, for the yeah. year. Hey, isn't that fucking wild? Mm-hmm. That's uh, like Dalen. You, you think of these guys that are top five right now, and usually it's like the first half of the season, so it doesn't really. You don't not thinking about it too much, but fuck, it's like every single ride counts right now. Starting mm-hmm. well, it started earlier, but within this next month or so, there's a million dollars on the line for this champion, and it could be a year that Joao wins his first at this age. And, you know, you see a guy like Jose who's struggled. He's had some injuries come back uh, later on in the year and then hasn't been back to himself riding. And uh, Cooper Davis being hurt, your normal contenders on a, on a full year-long race aren't necessarily right at that top like they were. So it's going to be, you know, Dalen, Kyler Oliver's in there. Joao, there's, you know, it's going to be a, a different world championship, I think, this year. And it's going to be huge for lots of these guys when this team deal comes into play, showing what they can do. And, and you know, if you're at the top of the fucking standings, when the draft comes, you're going to get a good, you're going to be picked pretty high in that fucking draft, right? So, yeah, yeah. It plays twofold exactly, Tanner. You know, it really defines your worth when it comes mm-hmm. to the team deal or rolling into the team deal. And, a lot like hockey, right, Jason? The better you are, the more money they're going to want to pay to have you. So that's uh, pretty cool. What have you done for me lately? Um, have you seen – have you guys watched that Kyler Oliver at all? A bunch just, this year? Just the highlights. Yeah. Bit, but he's he's hanging around, isn't he? That guy's the fucking real deal, man. I don't know him at all. I don't, I've never actually even uh, talked to him. The young guy that kind of came on the scene, one New, New York. York, obviously. And you see lots of guys that have like a – a good weekend, you know, and they make a name for themselves. And then that's kind of all you hear from them, right? For, for a while, or they stay on tour, but they kind of, they're not as, as hyped up as they were at that, that big win that they had, you know, you see that with lots of different guys and this guy's fucking stayed right there, smashing nineties, riding solo. He's in the contention for winning all these events. It wasn't on the global cup team, but I like, I think he's just, he's still just super underrated, still young. And, um, he's not like, uh, 
flashy guy with all the sponsors and you know he's just he's a very underrated guy right now that i think is here to stay at a fucking full-fledged superstar in the making see where he goes in the draft could be pretty high first round by the sounds of it he's young but he's got a family already too like you i believe he's got children right or a child and wife and everything so you know he's got a lot to ride for at a young age and uh he's making every every ride count for sure Bad motherfucker right there. And he's got the sweet mullet too. That's what I really noticed on that. <laughs> no fucks given by the looks he's of it. Sweet like that. mullet. Um, team <laughs> stuff. Let's get into that a little bit. I've had lots of questions and lots of people uh, reaching out that they like hearing about how um, uh, our opinions on the, on the team deal. So I wanted to get into uh, a little bit of that. They just uh, emailed out the information for the guys where they have to nominate themselves to be eligible for the draft after the world finals in May. So any bull rider in good standing over 18 can, uh, can apply in uh, in the world. So uh, it'll be kind of cool to see who does that, who doesn't do that. There's going to be some ups and downs with the rodeo side of things with the rodeo guys, maybe not wanting to do it, making a run for the NFR. Uh, I heard rumor. I don't know how that, like if this actually works or not, because you're signed depending on where you go in the draft, is, is how much you get paid for the first year. Uh, and like I said, this is just hearsay, but I heard that Sage Kimsey said that it'd, it'd be 250000 he'd need to, to go into this deal. That's a little steep, but I know what, like, for example, I know what Stetson Wright would need before we'd consider it, and it ain't there being in the fifth round. Like, if he declares himself as a rodeo guy, I think they can get picked after the fifth. Um, it just doesn't make sense. You know, what his all around bonuses pay him. It, yeah. So for him to get wiped out in October when he's healing up for the NFR makes no sense. But, but here, here again, um, it's what you think you're worth. You know, it's just a personal, and what someone's going to pay, man. Right. Like, so I don't, Sage, I don't blame him for saying, I mean, yeah. People, people might He's not. Worth that. To me, if yeah. I had the money and could pay it, and hell yeah, you know, it's got to make sense in what it pays the, you know, the winning team, the owner. Um, yeah, just if you're gonna build it like you build a hockey team, you gotta spend to the cap to win most well, times. Uh, now, right? And, and he he could be just doing it like, oh, I'm just gonna be two hundred twenty five thousand to sign me deep down. Maybe doesn't even want to go, but. If I got it, then I would have to make that decision, right? So, yeah, yeah. it's all hearsay. I don't, you know, that's just rumors around the in the Western world. Who knows if he even said that or not? But it's fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> start the rumors. We start rumors here, like uh, as always. Um, what do you guys think of uh, if you've had a look on the team? The eight different teams, all different owners, different coaches. Uh, looking looking at it as a bull rider maybe not money side of things, what would your guys' pick be for what team you'd want to be on? And that could mean maybe because of the ownership or probably more so the coach of that team. Do you guys uh, have any favorites of, of what team oh, you'd I, want to be on? Tanner, who, you're the bull rider. Who do you think? Where would you want to be? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be – it'll be a lot like hockey is, I think, with the – it'll take a couple years to see what – what different owners do for 
the teams, the team you know, yeah. whether that's the facilities or the different options that they have for you to better yourself as an athlete, uh, all the other added aspects, and then who they bring in for coaches as well, right? Because you got all the legends in the game of Michael Gaffney, J.W. Hart, Jerome Davis, and um, and I think it's just a lot all up in the air right now of what somebody can provide for you as an athlete. But for for me. The team that I teams that I would probably look at as a, as a favorite side of things would be um, McBride's team, just because of how good that guy was, and you can see what he does with the with the Global Cup guys, and he's like a natural born leader, and he knows the sport better than anybody else. So I think he's good at motivating guys. He's good at getting guys where they need to be, confident wise. But then saying that, so is Ross Coleman, right on on uh, on the Missouri team, um, and then. It's it's hard because you're gonna fucking you got a lot of individual yeah, guys. Yeah, on you got one a, side. Oh <laughs> yeah, the Teton coaches. And it's you gonna be a difference. Guys it's gonna be a difference in in how you look at it. Do you want to better yourself or do you want to hang out with somebody you like? And you know what I mean. Like Cody Lambert is probably the best fucking coach. He's coached all these other guys through their whole careers. McBride, Ross, all them guys helped them. Um, look what he's done with Cooper Dave or, you know, Jess Lockwood, lots of guys, right? He's, he's, yeah. he's been that still, guy Kyle for all Hamilton, the top guys. Stetson, them guys now, Stetson, right? Yeah. He's big influence. And all these guys, all these guys want to, you know, when they go and pick their short round bowls, lots of them just get Cody to pick their short round bowl for them. So that shows he knows the bulls. He knows the matchups. He knows, like, I think he's going to have, probably the winning team. I think he's going to be the best coach, but there's lots of these guys that aren't going to get along and not going to like the honesty that Cody's going to bring to the table. Right. Whereas maybe some other coaches try to fluff it out and are more of a player's coach and want to, you know, won't take the business side of things, but probably won't do as good as, as some of these other guys that are going to fucking play it to you straight. So you got a lot of individual guys that have never been on teams before that are going to start being told what to do by an owner and by a team. And that's going to be a big factor on, on how you, how you, how much success you have with this team deal as well. I, I think one of the adjustments that we're going to run into and, it, and it's, it's inevitable and it's a fact as a bull rider, Tanner going down the road for as many years as you, you're in charge of you, you decide you, you decide where you go when you don't all the things that make you uh, kind of a one man show. Right. Mm-hmm. This is where, and we've mm-hmm. seen this, Jason, you as a, as a producer and, and everything over the years, there's been a lot of bull riders tell you, no, I ain't doing that because you know why? You can't make me. And I think this is where, Tanner, you just said it. There's mm-hmm. guys that are going to have to really bite their, their tongue and, and uh, play on the team, uh, mm-hmm. ride for the team whether they kind of like it or not. Right. So those guys that are headstrong and do what they want to do, it's going to be interesting. And I think it is, it's going to take a couple years for everything to shift around. And I mean, there's going to be, you know, probably little issues that come up within the whole team's aspect, but after a couple of years, you're right. It's all going to just, yeah, you'll know where you want to go. You know where you want to be. It's just, there's going to be some, some bumps, wouldn't you say, Jason, leading into this? Yeah. Yeah. But I think for the most part, PBRs nowadays, you're not seeing that pushback from the riders. You're either in or you're not anymore. I think you saw that more t- 10 years ago 
than you do now. I know there was some pushback on this whole season this year, how they were, you know, cramming everything into these first, you know, to May to, mm-hmm. to, to have a world champion crown <clears throat> and then to come back in, in the summer months and into the fall with the team's deal. But it's real easy. Like Sean said, you don't need to be a part of the teams if you don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. but really I think that's where the opportunity is. Um, I, I really hope it is going forward. I, I, I think the concept's great. I hope it works. Oh yeah, I, I just, me too. Uh, and I think it's, it's fucking going to add like, add like drama and like the NHL is right. You got, you know, so much different things that can go on. It's, there's only so much you can talk about with how the sport is right now. You know, guy stays on or he doesn't stay on. He wins or he doesn't win the event. Now there's different effects that are going to go on within the teams and fucking trades and uh, waivers and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be big for the sport, I think, and good for everybody to, to grow it and more shit to talk mm-hmm. about. And uh, it's going to be fun to see, man. Like you take a guy that's a hot shot and he's not riding good and come fucking trade time, he gets traded off and whatever that means. If, and you know, in the NHL, you're uproot your family and move and all that stuff. I don't think we're there yet with the PBR. If they're going to make these guys live in the home state that the, that the team is from, but yeah, it's uh once you once you sign up and you sign on to that fucking that contract, you are you're now you're with them and you're at the mercy of of being told where you're gonna go and how you're gonna do it. But hopefully you're getting paid enough where that makes sense, like other sports, right? Uh Jason, this might be a question for you. Um, is there like there is in the NHL, the NBA, whatever, is there a rider association, like a player association, or is there no, one not rep- as of right rep- now? Okay. Okay, I just wondered if that was Not brought in. Right now there isn't, but um, yeah, I think that's been talked about for years in the PBR, and it's never come about. Which really, after thirty years, you'd think that somebody would have tried to bring the group together by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll there, but there's but there's never been a team team aspect of it either, other than. No. The global cup, just so the global cup. Yeah, that's why I wondered if you know there is one person that will eventually take the lead and be like, okay, I'll represent all of you as a whole and uh, keep things in line somewhat on your behalf. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, you got to watch where you go with it too, because as of right now, there's no real big rules on salary cap and all that other sort of shit. So it's, it's uh, they're in kind of the heyday of the originality of, of you can make a lot of money before a bunch of rules get, played into effect right so you could have the goddamn what was it back in the day the yankees that are probably still without a salary cap spend all that money and get the fucking top guys yeah. and kill it right just, you know like, just yeah. buy a, just buy a pennant man yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah they pay fun. luxury tax that's see the nhl doesn't have that we have a hard cap you can't go over it you know um, yeah. the luxury tax is the best way then all the other owners benefit from it you know Mm-hmm. And the league does. Game on. See, there's. Uh, see, look at. Fuck. We could go on and on about this, which we will for the next little while once it starts <laughs> coming out. It's exciting. Um, yeah. So you're gonna want to have your ducks in a row when you sign up for, for the for the team deal. Make sure that you're doing things the right way. It looks like Cooper Davis. Um, and here's another thing with like the friend side of things compared to the business side of things, right? Cooper Davis, I've noticed is uh, like online stuff. He's really, fr- uh, really good friends um, with the race car driver. 
I think it's Austin Dillon, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. And they're always doing stuff together, which is Carolina, Carolina. Cowboys team. Carolina, Carolina Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. Um, so you know what I mean? So who knows? Like Cooper maybe holds out. I don't know how like right. You don't know how it all works if he can hold out and try to be on that team if he wants to be on that team, or if these guys have any say or or any weight well, that's in the conversation. Trades. Yeah. Who knows? Right? Like can you can you move up three picks in the draft? And if you do, can you can you do that with money? Like, yeah. let's not forget when Gretzky went to, to LA, there was like a million dollars involved in that deal. Yeah. There was a trade with players and cash and cash. Like the, you can't, you don't do that anymore. But yeah. back then that was, yeah. there's cash involved. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to get some insiders. Well, to a low budget that. team, like, like to the prodigal team, let's say that's not going to be as heavily invested as maybe the Carolina Cowboys, for example. Prodigals managing one of the PBR owned teams, mm-hmm. you know, that money could go a long way for them oh, in yeah. managing the business, right? If if you can sell that pick, I don't know if you can. I don't know. Oh. That's why that CBA is important. You know, collective bargaining agreement. You need you need to have that. We've got what Tanner? We've seen it now about. 40 pages of rules and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think it's just going to be learning as they go, learning as the whole system goes, it'll take yeah. somebody doing something like that and there's no rule against it. So they'll fucking do it. And then you'll see that get put into the rules, right? Just like everything else, but off the hop, I'm sure there's going to be some, some battles and some drama of guys doing different things to, to benefit their team or benefit themselves. And, and, uh, We'll kind of just play it out as it goes. It'll be good watching. Um, yeah, but team-wise, coach-wise, I think, um, yeah, I like McBride or I like uh, I like Lambert as a, as a coach for the guys in the sense that there there will be no there'll be no bullshit. It'll just be straight up here to win, not here to make friends, right? Um, but we'll see. I'm uh, excited to see it. Excited to see how these how these different coaches go because all these guys are super intense, right? J Dub and Ross and fucking uh, Kobe. You seen them at the South Point when they were doing this team stuff and they were all battling and and you see at the Global Cup, man, you get fucking fired up and you want to win. Like it's ego yeah. comes into play too, and and you as the coach, you want to be the guy that's winning. So we'll see. It ain't gonna be about friendships, that's for sure. It's gonna be about fucking winning the damn pennant at the end of the year what's it called do we know what the championship's called we don't no i wonder what the we know that like the jerome davis trophy now is the world jerome champion robinson. jerome robinson yeah uh is the is the world champion trophy and the, yeah they're gonna have to build a lord stanley something or other yeah lord gleason cup <laughs> <laughs> lord gleason cup uh moving on we got the canadian guys that are doing really good down there right now. We had a big, uh, big weekend from Griffin Smeltzer. Went second at the Fresno Velocity Tour event. Bumped some stuff up in the standings. Trying to get on tour, make a lot of push here for the World Finals. Uh, it's good to see. He's been going hard to these velocities all year, and he's going to be on the bubble there now. And uh, Blake Smith as well makes a good ride, stays on one. So our, our young Canadian guys are, are looking really good right now and getting, getting prepped up for the World Finals and then hopefully come up here to Canada and, do these Canada cup events. These guys are looking really good. Yeah. We're ready for them. 
Ready to rock. Those guys are at the combine. That's another thing to talk about with the with the team deal that I forgot. Uh, right now, this is Tuesday. We're filming this intro, and it started this morning. They're doing a combine similar to the NFL, um, where they're got all the coaches there, and it's mostly young guys and guys that that aren't um, maybe on tour or that are for sure going to go in the draft. It's a way for these young guys like Griffin and and guys that maybe haven't been on tour, haven't been seen being put in front of these coaches to go there and show them what they got. They got a practice pen today and then it's a full physical tomorrow and then mental training and, and, you know, just like any other sport to see these young guys and, and see who's in top shape and who they might pick on in for their draft. So good to see those guys there. I think that's kind of cool. Hey, that's another thing that that's yeah. totally different that we've never had before in the sport and guys going to be yeah. working hard to be in good shape to show up to that combine because that's going to affect how much fucking money you get signed for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Different game, man. Different game. It's exciting. It's fun. It's fun to be looking, fun to watch. Are you going to hang up the cleats and go riding bulls again or what? <laughs> no, Valesco asked me that at, uh, at the global cup. He's like, Hey, we've been putting bets. If you're going to fucking nominate yourself, yeah. <laughs> Probably get fucking whipped down. My head's pretty soft anymore. <laughs> fucking, he's out. He's fucking soft. out. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're doing okay now, so just stick with it. Stick, yeah, stick yeah. with where you're. Way at. easier to be around. You're not near as fucking grumpy, too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And if you bang your head many more times riding bulls, you'll just be a window licker, and we don't want that. So. No, I don't need that. I don't need that. <laughs> We're halfway there already. <laughs> halfway there already. <laughs> fucking capes. Um. Yeah, look ahead to this weekend. The Velocity Tour, those Canadian guys and all the Velocity guys are heading back to Oakland, which is a sketchy fucking place. So good luck, guys. Fucking <laughs> hunker Keep down. rolled up, fellas. Uh, doors locked. Hunker down in Oakland, Velocity guys. And uh, the VFT or the UTB goes back to Albuquerque, which is always a, a cool event. They always have the fucking best bulls in the world there because it's kind of central for everybody to to the get pit. to. Yeah, the pit, the timer invitational historic event that goes on this weekend and there's a 15-15 bucking battle which is featured in my opinion with Mason Taylor on Whoopa. Is that your is that your pick the bull? Whoopa? Jason? I think it is, right? Yeah. Scott went riding solo. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, he went right. So this is why it's this is why it's a big matchup because at the Global Cup uh he was Around the left was Stetson Lawrence, like he always is. And then about halfway through, switched it up, went back right. Derek Kobaba picks him the other weekend, shoots out there two long ones around the right. So not his normal tracks around the left. He's been hitting it around the right. Mason Taylor, which kind of sucks because Mason really does ride him really good away from his hand. Who could have styled him out and looked good away from his hand. But I think that bull is going to go right. And uh, we'll see what Mason can do on that one. If he can smash a quick 93, 94. I think that's kind of a gimme when you ride that thing now. No matter what he fucking does, you're going to get a just a quick 90. Just a quick one. <laughs> Still got to ride for eight, but we're going to get that score in quicker for you on this one. <laughs> I know. Like, it's tough. It's tough being 90 all the time. <laughs> you remember those I, days, Scott? Yeah, just, I had, I had yeah. some quick nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I fucking bet you did. Yeah, uh, ninety <laughs> mile an hour to the hospital. <laughs> Speaking of concussions, and- yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Scott. Some other big matchups. Kaike Pacheco has Moonlight Party. Kaike is riding really good right now. That bull was good. He kind of hipped himself last weekend with triplet. And didn't have his normal tracks around the right, but I, I, that can happen with that boy. He's kind of hair triggered in there. Um, 
even if he goes left or goes out a few more, that's going to be cool because Kaike is riding good. That could be a big-ass score, too. Well, some of these bulls I don't really know. Dalton Castle, hang them high. Denner Barbosa has I'm legit, too. He should ride that thing. But Denner, he's not a guy that has a bunch of whip and flair. Probably like a 88, 89 kind of thing, you know, when other guys should be 92, 93 type of thing. But uh, solid guy, rides everything, always in contention for the world title. Dale and Swearingen on the Punisher, that's a tough one. That's kind of a hard one to to, to get by that they don't the get along with all the time. Yep, It's not the it's Punisher. Not tough. That's one thing, Dale, like he's fucking stormy, tough stormy too. Stormy huh? Daniels right. toy or something. So. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> she, she can't afford toys anymore. But anyway, um, <laughs> after she pays Trump off. But uh, um yeah, like, but Dalen, if anybody can do that kind of stuff, I, ah. I don't know. I'm, obviously, I'm biased because he's my pick, but I've watched that kid for a lot of years, and he'll rock back and just fucking oh, yeah. spur one just doesn't stop. matter. Like he's right? just trying to pedal a bike up a hill when he's <laughs> yeah. just like just you can just tell he's just gritting his teeth. And, and, and I and I don't care who you are, even if he opens up and starts kicking one at six seconds, I don't care who you are. If you're watching it, exciting, you start yeah. making the movements yourself. <laughs> yeah. You do. <laughs> Yes, we're definitely a riders podcast. We're big fans of these guys. So coming from riders and bullfighters ourselves, we're we're definitely not the analytics guy. We're on the we're uh we're a podcast coming from the guys within the sport, that's for sure. So yeah, we're pretty excited to see these guys have success and fucking win a bunch of money and have some fun with it. So we'll see how the fifteen fifteen goes. Um yeah, my pick is Mason Taylor on on boop up, but there's gonna be a bunch of good matchups. It's gonna be good to watch. So Check that out on CBS when it comes out. Scott, um, we've talked about uh, the team deal with the bull riding side of things coming into play. Former guest, uh, Josh Matson on this show. He becomes subject of what we were just talking about within the, the bull riding realm of trades. He was traded after eight years from the Anaheim Ducks. He gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that's, I mean, cool, I guess. Uh I, I didn't see it coming. Maybe you had an inside track on that, but uh, eight years, eh? that was his whole NHL career was spent there. And, and he's gone off to, off to Colorado. He seemed, I've, I've seen some of his posts or whatever. He seemed pretty excited about it and uh, was very grateful to, to Anaheim and the organization there. And um, what's, what's the deal? <laughs> I yeah. know he was, I know he was very well paid. In, yeah. in Anaheim, correct? And- yeah. So what happens? So Josh becomes uh, a UFA at the end of this year. So he's an unrestricted free agent. And that means that he can sign anywhere after yeah. after his contract's done this year. So Anaheim doesn't have his rights. So when you become an RFA or a restricted free agent, um, that team that you're with, they still own your rights. So you just can sign with, with them unless somebody else buys out a different the contract, yeah. da, 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 da. So anyway, when you become a UFA, you're, you're wide open to go anywhere. So they don't really own you anymore. So what you see lots of times is guys that maybe they don't think they they can sign or they don't have enough cap space for, um, they'll try to get something out of those guys. So they'll trade him knowing that they probably won't have him at the end of the year anyway and get some picks in return and try to, try to rebuild their team, which Anaheim is in the rebuild phase. They got rid of the other top defenseman, Hampus Lindholm. He went to Boston. Uh, Ricard Raquel goes to Pittsburgh. So they they really 
they really did a big uh, a big change up, cleaned house, got rid of those guys, and and are trying to build for the future with a bunch of young guys coming in. But that being said, Josh is UFA at the end of the year, so who knows where if he'll stay in Colorado once the year is done. Once again, it's all hearsay. I haven't talked to him about anything like that, but you know that's how the how the sport kind of works. Jason probably would have been better to have on it, but it's a business, and then we're going to see that with this bull riding world too. Is it's a business, and it yeah. doesn't matter. Um, what you do or how it works out, you got to do what's best for you. Right. So he's, he's, he got traded, which is pretty cool to the top team in the league, Colorado avalanche favorites this year, or one of the favorites this year to go to the Stanley cup. So uh, it'd be, it's pretty cool to watch. I, I haven't watched a whole bunch of them throughout the year. Cause I usually just watch Josh, the ducks and fucking, that's pretty fun to watch those guys. They're, they're badass. Cam McCarr, Nathan McKinnon speed. And yeah, they got it all lined out. So that's pretty cool to see him on a, on a team like that. But, as you know, Scott, you think of these guys just as as players and and looking at you know watching it on TV or online that yeah they just get traded somewhere and they go and play for this other NHL team. But what you don't realize is how it uproots their life. You know, you have a home and a mortgage, and then you in one day without any knowing or without any fucking warning, you get a call that you've been traded to fucking Colorado or, you know, uh, to another country, sometimes from us to Canada, Canada, us, and you got to be there the next day and pack your shit and fucking go. So well, gotta be a whirlwind. The, yeah. And I think another thing, and I'm not saying Josh in particular, but I think as a, as a player that starts to get traded a little bit, you know, eight or nine years into your NHL career, you'd have to watch that mentally doesn't play on you too. You know, you might kind of just start to wonder, okay, I'm getting mm-hmm. moved around here. Yeah. Now what's next kind of deal. I know, uh, um, you know, it would be something you'd really have to push through, I think mentally and be like, okay, they obviously another team wants me. They look like my talent, like my try, my, my attitude, and we're going to go play hockey. So I don't know. Yeah. It'd be kind of, kind of like you say, mentally it uproots you a hundred percent. So yeah. Uh, it'd be a big change because it would it would literally be for him. I would suspect, yeah, pack your suitcase, you're headed off tomorrow. Kind so of. So you deal. fucking played for Colorado the next day. Yeah, yeah. They were in LA. Luckily, Colorado was so it was just down the road from from Anaheim where he was at. So it worked out that way. But yeah, I don't know. Now he's got to you know find a place in Denver and the kids not in school yet. But like lots of guys when they get traded, you know, like your kids are or going to school and you got to change schools and move and all that sort of stuff. Or you decide if, you know, if who knows how long you're going to be there and if they stay where they're at, there's so many different components that come into play that, like you say, outside of the rink, there'd be a lot of issues that you have to, to go through. Oh, yeah. With what about the, walking? What about walking into a dressing room? The yeah, with stage? a bunch of fucking guys, random guys, eh? Yeah, yeah. guys yeah. that you'd fought, you know, guys yeah. that you fucking battled against, and now you're a, you're a teammate, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah, there's a guy on Colorado, like uh, I don't know how to say it, Nazim or Nazim, I don't know, Kadri though. And uh, earlier, early in Josh's career, he got a fine for doing a throat fucking slicing <laughs> gesture at him like he fucking did the old year dead kind of thing and he got yeah. fined for it and i don't know if he got suspended but he got in trouble for it well now they're on the same team so i was thinking <laughs> in my head i'm like i wonder how that goes right but i yeah, think yeah. it's just part of the game right you battle on the ice and then when it when yeah. it comes down to that shit a lot of those guys that that are like fucking rats out there it seems like you hate to play against them but you really love to be on their team right they're mm-hmm. those guys that are good team guys so yeah it's fun it's cool to see so uh, yeah, I don't even know what you say if it's congrats or shout out or whatever it might be, but Josh is now 
playing for the Colorado Avalanche. So we'll have to get him back on and get all his thoughts on it at some point. Hopefully when yeah. he signs, signs a big contract at the end of this year, we'll get him back on. Do you think in your gut feeling, do you think he'll stay there? I have no idea, honestly. Like it's, it's, it's so hard to, to, to go on if, uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to be on that team, a certain team with certain players, or do you want to live in a certain place? Do you have any fucking say in it? Um, do you, Fuck, you know what I mean? Maybe, like, all that sort maybe, of shit. Maybe he wants to come back to Winnipeg. <laughs> shit. That's what I said. <laughs> when he got traded to fucking uh, Colorado, like from Anaheim, right? So you're in your shorts and fucking t-shirt all day and go and play hockey and then seems like head to the beach. That's not what they do, but you know what I mean? Not a bad place to live. And I'm yeah. California to play hockey. And then just imagine just go win to win a pig. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me, let me rephrase that. Not maybe would he like to come back to Winnipeg? I meant, would he like to come to Winnipeg? Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he probably won't because you can't go to the bull riding anymore. They canceled the bull riding. So nobody's, That's right. to, nobody's going to right? Winnipeg anymore. Fuck them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> bad move. Bad move. Um, have you watched any of the highlights of Daryl Sutter lately, the coach of the Calgary Flames? I have. I've watched some <laughs> of them, but I got to be honest. I, I, I guess I got to be honest. It sounds like he's being like super honest when he's. Oh, yeah. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he's just going old <laughs> school cowboy. No fucks given when he's doing his interviews. That's so cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, I think he said in the one, he goes, I, I don't want to play. I don't want to play the wild card. You know, no, I said, well, I said, if the wild card this year is a waste of time, if you're going to be in the right. wild card, and then if you are a wild card in the wild card position that has to play the Colorado Avalanche, oh, right. it's a waste of fucking eight days. So you might yeah, as well not right. even show up, which is funny. Yeah. And then my favorite one I liked. So Daryl, uh, from the Kinsella Viking area, the whole Sutter family, if you don't know hockey, are like the first family of hockey pretty much all the brothers a bunch of them all played in the nhl and good friends with uh stock contractor ellie scory and the scory family and actually my daddy growing up around there too he's got yeah. a bunch of good setter stories too so uh good crew anyway but um uh he said they're farmers and ranchers as well and daryl the other day uh eric branson got cut or something got sliced and um it was between periods they were trying to stitch him up and he didn't come out for the start of the third period. And they, in the post game interview, they asked him what his thoughts were of the game. And he said, well, the biggest joke was it took 33 minutes to get Eric Branson, well, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but to get this guy stitched up and it was kind of quiet. And he's like 33 minutes. That's something that we need to work on as a, as a, as our whole team here right now. He said, I could have done it in five minutes. I do horses and cows all the time. Could have been done in five minutes, 33 minutes to get fucking stitches. In. Are you kidding me? Paraphrasing, obviously, but he said it, he was very blunt with it. That's what he said. So yeah, he's just been a freaking a machine just hitting out the one liner. So that's been fun to watch. <laughs> and kind of cool. You know, he's tied to the, to the Western lifestyle. He's coming to the event in Kinsella a few times there that Ellie and the, and the scories and that whole uh, place puts on. So yeah, really cool. Other than that, we can get to our interview here right away with Cody Teal. It was a, a really fun one. Cody's a quiet guy, but he really opened up with us and shared a lot of uh, good stories and, and uh, his mindset towards shit and world champion himself. So really excited for you guys to, to hear this one, a um, couple, couple things we got to talk about or uh, bring up is uh, the passing of Blue Stone. Uh, I didn't know, mm -hmm. no Blue. Did you know Blue at all? 
not really no yeah. uh he he would come up here a little bit uh but it, i never no not at yeah. all really. so he passed away yeah two-time world champion went to the went to the nfr twice both years he uh was at the bottom of the standings coming in and and came from came from you know 12 14th whatever it might have been and, and took the world championship so um we're gonna have bo hill on here in a couple of weeks uh which will be a lot of fun we'll ask him he was around he went to the nfr a couple of times when, when blue was there so um i can't talk on it all that much because like i say I, I never did get to meet blue and i'm uh, just a big fan as a kid watching those those highlights and stuff like that but uh he passes away so our thoughts and, and prayers with his family and, and everybody that that knew him and uh tough to talk about but that's you know that's what we're that's what we do and uh on that too the uh prince albert mintos the other night had a big uh uh fundraising deal for matt swaby it was a it was a cool ordeal i got to go and, and check that out being home on the weekend for once got to go to a minto game haven't been to a fucking nice. minto game in a, in a very long time so that's the midget triple a team here in prince albert and they ended up winning in double ot but yeah big uh all the proceeds from the gate went to or a part of the proceeds i think went to the, to the swaby family so uh it was cool to see and it brought out a, a lot of people and showed a lot of support for for matt and and the family and uh packed the house there and the mentos took it in double ot so good for them shout out to them nice. boys nice. uh and shout out to former guest bryce west to be seen this online scott oh yeah new business <laughs> we're gonna be I, you know, a shout out well you know when i when I seen it on Instagram was where I seen it first and it was horn dog, horn dog. Yeah. And I, yeah. so of course I'm like, what the hell? And I, here it is. Well, when I read that name that was tied to the, to the horn dog name, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you, it's a West. So, you know, there's going to be a <laughs> catchy name to come with it. So yeah, good for him. Eh? starting up a little uh, entrepreneur there, a little business and uh, Christ, you see lots about it now. So good for him. Yeah. So he goes and gets uh, it's dog treats. Uh, right and or two yep. toys and it's uh like sheds antlers antler yep. sheds and there's all different sizes so he's yeah he's started his own business there and seems like he's doing good with it so shout out to him you guys need fucking dog toys go check out horn dog on uh, instagram <laughs> and yeah. check out that podcast with him because it's pretty funny he doesn't give a shit he lets her fly that was one of our early podcasts way back in the day so shout yeah. out to him and uh, as well shout out chase outlaw he got surgery again on his uh groin get his groin fixed so he's gonna be out of action for a few weeks but uh, hopefully that's the end of the surgeries for chase and he can just come back healthy and get back to the guy that that uh, we all know and love and uh, a big locker room guy he'd be a fucking your number one pick as a team guy on that team the way he can get everybody fired up and get in the zone and yeah i i think we should have a have a little uh nfp podcast with him mm-hmm. he said he'd come on i think i talked about this for global cup he said uh I think I can come on the pod now. He fucking ghosted me for quite some time. And then he, he said, he said, I'm definitely no fucking pussy. Cause he'd come back from all these surgeries. And, all that shit. and then I know that, bro. I know that, man. I know you are definitely not a pussy. Holy shit. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll get chase on here at some point. Hopefully talk about all that, but shout out to him. Heal that shit up and come back stronger than ever. Um, other than that, I think we're pretty good. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening in, tuning in. We actually got this one out in time. Fuck, I didn't even lie yeah. that it was gonna be two weeks. Yeah, shit, we're yeah. gonna do so good. Good. Uh, with that, yes, everybody be safe. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a couple weeks. We love you. Stay strong, be nice to each other. This is our interview 
with world champion Cody Teal. But a bull chained up that had only been ridden one out of his last 22 outs was just conquered. I tell you what, the thing about it is the intimidation factor in bull riding wins a lot for bulls. This bull intimidates 99% of the guys in the locker room, but he didn't intimidate Cody Teal. He took the fight to him, kept his chin tucked, rode him wherever he goes. He didn't matter if he went in the gate to the right, if he took two jumps and went to the left, it didn't matter what he did. Cody Teal kept his eyes on his stock and stayed aboard, did what he had to do. Excellent bull ride. Our guest today is a five-time PBR world finalist, a five-time NFR qualifier with a couple million dollars in earnings so far in his his career, the 2012 PRCA champion of the world from College Station, Texas, the real deal, Cody Teal. <laughs> Teal, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just trying to get rolling today. Kind of had a long night last night traveling, but uh, shoot, excited to be on the podcast, man. Always enjoyed listening to him. Perfect. Hell yeah. Where are you coming back from? Are you were in Phoenix or what was going down? Yeah, was at uh, Glendale yesterday and flew out of Phoenix. Uh, Got delayed a few hours last night and uh, ended up getting back home around 5 a.m. So it was a long one, but it's been a, it's been a weird year for travel, I'd say. Seems like I've had more bag losses, flight delays, and you know, in the last six months than my 10 year career of riding. So it's been pretty crazy. But how was we made the, it? How was the crowd in Glendale? It really was awesome. Crowd? It yeah. was great, man. Yeah, that, that event to me has always been really good as far as crowd. I mean, all the way top level filling it up it, i mean it's it's really really it was a really good event and uh great to see both nights where it was packed and uh the fans are great there yep they like fucking bull riding and rodeo better than hockey obviously around there. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. No shit. yeah. You know, heard I about know, i heard about that yeah they'd be starving usually they got the cactus league going on right now and there's been no ball because they just yeah um, they just agreed to terms the the players and the or the union and the league um, I believe it was Saturday. They finally come to terms. So a lot of those people down there haven't got to watch anything, including oh, yeah. good hockey. Yeah. So they were they were starving for some good entertainment. Didn't there didn't uh, Teton Ridge announce their coaches and everything out in front too? I saw a press conference going yep. on. Yeah, but I didn't make it to it. But on Sunday, yeah, they had quite a big deal going on out there, and uh, you know, exciting to see everyone was pretty pumped up about that you know been a lot of energy around the whole team deal coming up and uh seems like every event they've had something going on uh, promoting that and uh you know i guess that'll be the the rough riders kind of home home yeah. field there so they were doing a lot of stuff with that so it's pretty cool to see what's your uh let's dive into that i guess we usually start a little bit different but you brought it up and that's something that i have wrote down here that i wanted to talk to you about uh what's your thoughts on the whole team deal that's that's coming up is it do you think it's going to benefit you or hinder you or what do you how do you think you fit into that are you going to go to the combine all that sort of stuff what's what's your uh what's your thoughts on the team series man you know i didn't really know what to think about it at first it's just so different from you know here i am 10, 11 years in a career, you know, I've always, it's just been me, you know, individual kind of deal as far as how year to year when I set my goals, you know, that's kind of how, what I do every year, knowing what I want to do, what I want to accomplish as an individual. So to me, it's been hard kind of to, to wrap my mind around transition into like that team format of like, what will be, you know, what will be my mission gold, how, you know, how I'm going to look at that, you know, from that kind of different perspective. So, but, um, uh, 
after talking to a couple of coaches and, and kind of meeting, and there has been a couple of teams doing that, kind of sit downs and doing interviews, you know, and then I'm kind of starting to wrap my mind around it. And, uh, you know, from, from what I know, uh, I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm still like the, the, the fine details, but, uh, you know, I've been open-minded about it. I haven't been closed off to the idea of it at all, but just, it's been trying to just process it and how I'm going to, how I'm going to approach it, you know, how I can contribute to a team. Just, you know, be totally different, you know, as far as that goes, how, uh, how, uh, you know, how I'll be able to approach it, I guess, you know, what my mindset will be going into it. And just be one of those deals, I think, for everyone. Once just, you won't really know until you get off into it, being That's part of the true. team. But if it's, you know, if it's anything like the Global Cup format, which as you know, Tanner, how that, that energy and, mm-hmm. and the excitement you get with uh, doing an event mm-hmm. like that, you know, I feel like if it's anything like that, it'll be, it'll be pretty cool to be a part of. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, you know, and then you got the whole money deal and, yeah. and so many different aspects that factor in, but uh, just going to roll with the, go with the flow. You know, that's kind of my, you mm-hmm. know, bull riding still the bull riding part, but just uh, let the rest just kind of work itself out. I wonder uh, that. I, I hope for your guys' sake, for the riders, um, you know, there's some tremendous ownership backing these teams, yeah. um, which I think, you know, that that's going to push PBR to make sure it succeeds. Um, you, you know, you were going to have one chance at this, I believe, but you know, for some of the younger guys coming up thinking, Oh, well, it's only going to be, you know, five or six guys of the top guys. I, I see a whole feeder chain system working here, like the minor leagues and ball, you know, double a triple a, um, Maybe that's how the countries like us here in Canada, that's how we contribute. We have minor league teams up here that compete that are owned by, you know, the Morris group or, or whoever that might be prodigal or, or whoever. Um, but I, I think I've been trying to wrap my head around it too, Cody. And, and until you, you know, like, you know, in the national hockey league, it sits right here. Here's the CBA. This is the collective bargaining agreement for the national hockey league and the players union. Um, and until we can see something like that, it is hard. Um, and there's lots of questions to ask and you guys should be asking them. Obviously it's, uh, you can't just go because they're offering you a check. There's gotta be some longevity to it and, uh, and a real structure around it. But I hope it goes the way I'm anticipating it goes. I think it's going to revolutionize professional bull riding. I really do. I think it's, it could swallow it all up. And it could all be in that format within five years, I think, in the team's deal. Sure. Feel that. <laughs> and, and do you do you see um, outside of that the the now and and as a bull rider or or someone at your point in your career? And Jason, this is maybe a question to you too: is that there is potential to become a coach when your riding career is done, is or a manager or something? It's kind of it's more opportunity to stay in the business and be a part of it do you not think uh, at post bull riding you're actually bull riding yeah absolutely I've, I've you know seeing that opportunity as well just a lot of guys kind of popping back up at events that I, you haven't yeah, seen haven't in seen years you know like yeah. oh g man michael gaffney has yeah. been like at every event kind of scoping mm-hmm. things out and uh you know colby was there this last weekend i guess he's going to be a part of like the rough riders team uh him and paulo so yeah it's a lot of guys popping back up that you haven't seen in quite a while. It's just pretty cool to see, yeah, you know, and uh, not only seeing them, but like you're saying, Scott, that opportunity, you know, the opportunities right now for guys. And I think as it all kind of develops, if it all continues to grow and do well, uh, like Jason was saying, like the minor league division, there's going to be a lot of opportunities where they're going to need guys, you know, to help develop it, you know. So, yeah, it's that 
that aspect of it too is pretty exciting to see where that goes with opportunities. So I think when you bring in the when you bring in the ownership groups that that Sean has has done, they they're gonna want to compete. And that's like any team, any owner wants to win, or you sure hope they do. And you know, there'll be salary caps you got to deal with, and I'm sure there's gonna be budgets, but you know, that that's what's going to benefit the bull riders or Cody, like not just for you as a team member, but in the future, um, if you're the guy that can come back and be a coach, you know, you're going to see teams writing checks to have the best people. And sure, uh, sure. I think that's, you know, so we're at eight teams now. There's no reason why Canada couldn't have, you know, if you find the right ownership group up here or Austria, like it could be international in time. Brazil, sure. Mexico, you know, all you need to have is that one owner that's got deep enough pockets to invest a couple of years into building something to get that return back. And um, from what I've heard, they've got it structured right now where, you know, nobody's going to get really beat up too bad, um, you know, depending on their budget, what they want to spend besides the salary cap on the bull riders. Um, but what you want to pay your coach or your GM or scouting staff, everything like it's uh, it's it's going to, it's, I think it's going to keep a lot of guys engaged in the business um, and bring in more people that we probably need yeah. to, you know, to build the bull riding business. The PBR is, you know, you've been on both sides, Cody, PRCA and PBR and, you know, to where, where rodeo is today, it's in a, it's in a decent spot. Like they've got some great committees and whatnot, but that's how I see it. If it wasn't for Las Vegas events or the Houston's or the Calgary stampedes, where would rodeo be? You know, PBR is right. PBR is built what they've got in 30 years from the ground up and it's phenomenal yeah. growth. So I just think it's a, it's just another chapter in the PBR book of, of building and making it, you know, that much better for the riders. For sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. Teal on the team. <laughs> I feel like we were interviewing Jason on that one, that one yeah. for a while. <laughs> Teal, uh, uh, your aspect Sorry, of the team. Oh, I just had another cup of coffee. I'm <laughs> fucking juiced. He's fucking fired <laughs> up. We don't even get that with him from the intros. Fuck, you got, you got the best out of him there, Teal. Jesus. Um, Teal, uh, your aspect of it. You said that the, there's like the coaches that have been interviewing and stuff. Have you been interviewed by different coaches, different teams? And is there a team or a coach that stands out to you a little bit more that maybe that's where you'd like to go or does it really matter to you? Man, well, so far I sat down an hour with, uh, Keith Ryan Cartwright over in St. Louis. You know, he's with McBride and, uh, Nashville, Nashville Stampede, I believe what that is. And they, he kind of gave me the rundown of what they expect and what they're, what they want to do. You know, from day one, once you're drafted, kind of they're going to have like a little mini training camp. And it's more, you know, what they they want to do. And I sat down with um, Cody Lambert for just a brief, like 15, maybe 20 minutes in Duluth. And he kind of – we kind of chatted a little bit. But those have been the only the only teams I've talked to or, you know, individuals. And and that's that's a big part for me is like what are the teams going, going to expect, mm-hmm. you know, from the riders on a week, you know, week day in and day out once the season gets underway. Like are you going to like – do we need to be somewhere like on a Tuesday, Wednesday, like a little, you know, whether not initially, you know, practice bulls, but, you know, it's rallying as a team, getting a day early, that kind of stuff, you know, because being where I'm at now, yeah, that's kind of a big part for me is just like how much time away from the family and all yeah. that, things to process, you know. And I think each team will be different as far as what guys, coaches, GMs, or whatever they, they expect from the guys. I think that will vary from team to team. 
And, uh, you know, I would definitely like to sit down and talk with more of them, just kind of fill it out, you know, and just kind of at least you know, for the draft, even if someone does draft me, you know, if they want to draft me, at least they know where my head's at and what I, you know, kind of what I would honestly be comfortable doing, you know, if it's going to mm-hmm. be a good fit or not a good fit, because that's kind of where I'm at with it, you know, because I think it's going to be a lot of the big part of the success you're going to get yeah. out of guys, you know, if it's a good situation for the individual. And, uh, you know, it's going to be different from a 30 year old guy to a 20 year old guy, what, you know, what they'll be, what they'll be happy doing, I think. So, but that'll be, be fun to see how it shakes out. Just and think you're, of all that experience you're bringing though, Cody, that's how yeah. you got to look at it. Don't look at it yeah. like you're 30. Just look yeah. at all those eight second rides that you can bring for, uh, you know, that's right. Yeah. I'm not 30. Yeah. I'll be 30 in June. So yeah, I know. I, I, uh, you know, I think it'll, it, in that team, just from the little the experience I've had in the team setting from global cup, you know, it's a, it's a different energy and it'll be, you know, that's just one event of course in, in a year, but it'll be interesting to see how that can carry week in and week out trying to, you know, carry the energy, which I think it'll be there, you know, being in a team, team situation so i'm excited about you know experiencing that and uh you know it's kind of a different phase of my career you know if i get on a team and, and you know learning learning the flow of all that and how that works and i'm excited with that and be a different kind of spark and energy you know so yeah reinvented a little bit you're, yeah no you're a, you're a guy that's like um you're always even keeled you're always calm and that's what i wondered like the the global cup stuff a lot of times it's um you know, the, the guys that really feed off of the atmosphere and they get juiced up from them, other guys around them that seem to excel. You've always had success at that. Um, you don't show it on the outside, but at the global cups and stuff like that, does it, does it get you juiced up? Are you one of those guys that doesn't show it on the outside, but on the inside, your motor's running and oh yeah, one of the baddest bull riders that that's ever done at world championships and great success within the PBR, but you're always on that even keel. You never show too much emotion, but inside is that motor running all the time oh absolutely yeah you know i have a switch there's no doubt about it like you know i don't really show it but when i when i climb over in the buck and shoot you know you can kind of manhandle a bull around you know you're standing over and moving around where you want him just kind of take be the aggressor you know and, and take charge and but i think you have to have that you know i, I think and no doubt and then like in a global cup set and you got you got outlaw in your ear, you know, fire yeah. you up, you know, that guy, he'll get you on another level itself, but the whole team's there cheering for you, you know? So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool and exciting, you know, you know, you feel like I was more nervous watching, watching the guys ride my teammates ride the global cup and I was getting on, you get your, your motors running, just watching them ride. So that was, that was a little different feeling than I'd ever known before. You know, you're always rooting for your buddies, you're whoever you're rooting yeah. with, they're always there pulling their up, helping them. But, you know, I was genuinely like nervous when other guys were getting on, just wanting them to do good, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Gets you. Yeah. Well, that, that, what they do affects what you make yeah. and shit too. Right. I think that's yeah, the yeah. aspect of the, just, of the team series as well. The team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So not, I might be a little bit of a sore spot. I don't know, but I got to bring it up, but um, not being chosen on this year's global cup. Uh, was that a discussion that you had with, with Ross? Were you still just as fired up for the team? A little bit butthurt that you weren't on that team or what's the, what's the whole mindset behind that? Man. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Of course I wanted to be on it. I was darn sure wanted to perform start the year off good and, you know, make an impression to be on the team. But, you know, with the group of guys he had, I mean, how can you argue anybody there, you know, and then whenever you get your set of bulls and you can kind of designate, like you can't go wrong with anybody, you know what I mean? It's a solid team and they went and did well, you know, but of course being a competitor, you 
you're darn right. I wanted to be on the team, you know, and, and represent. Uh, that, and there's no doubt I wish I was, but it's just, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's what have you done for me lately sport, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of guys could contribute in, in different ways, but it was definitely, Hey, you can't go wrong with you. Get going. You want to talk about what you do for me now, sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, yep. that's where we'll see where coaches have the balls to, to move on or, or, yep. or be your best friend. Um, yeah, no doubt. That'll be that, interesting that to see. Be, yeah. That will be something that will probably end some friendships. it's business right yeah Yeah, it's fucking yeah 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 pass that shit and do the job uh we went off the rails i like it but uh that's kind of what we do on this podcast a little bit i didn't get a script today did you get a script scott cody did you get a script i didn't get one no i didn't get one i do i do have a question though that i think will put us back on the rails somewhat tanner if you want to just let me roll here for a second right Uh, baby i think i I, I think the question that i have for you cody that i kind of want to know and i'm sure lots of other people's when you made the switch um I knew you more as the PRCA bull rider um, in my career, obviously uh, I was privileged enough to fight some bulls for you or whatever up here, but what was the deciding factor for you to kind of push that part of it, the PRCA, the rodeo aside and make the jump to the PBR and focus strictly on that part of it in your life or your career, I guess. Is so that was one of the deals like, when I turned 18, like there's just no doubt I wanted to buy my permit and, and rodeo. That's just, that's where my heart was, what I wanted to do. You know, I just, I was, maybe my confidence was more in that. Like I felt like I was just ready for that. I, you know, I, that's where I was focused on, but I knew one day I wanted to go to the PBR and I wanted to do that. And it was weird. Cause I was eight, you know, I figured like, Oh, when I'm 24, 25, I thought that, you know, you don't, I put a number on it then, but then I just went rodeo and didn't really think about it until, you know, and they just kind of, of course, when you're rodeo and you're having success, the, the biggest question everybody asks you, when are you going to go to the PBR? Are you going to do the PBR? That's, that's continually what I got, you know. And, but I was happy where I was at. I was working those CBRs and PRCA. They were kind of working hand in hand and added a few endorsement deals that were pretty good there. And uh, so I was happy having success. But just that competitive side of me wanted it just every year from about 15 – you know, I was I was feeling it, wanting knowing I wanted to go to the PBR, and then rolling into 2016, uh, it just kind of just I couldn't get it out of my mind. I knew I wanted to, and then as I was rodeoing, I was just kind of honestly getting kind of sour going to the rodeos. Uh, you know, you, you might be be on a stretch, you ride five or six bulls in a row, just kind of not just getting day money, you know, and uh, just finding reasons to kind of complain, I guess you could say, and you kind of getting sour on the whole deal. And, uh, but just because mainly knowing I wanted to go to the PBR, I think it's a big part of that. Uh, and then went to Calgary for the first time and had some success there. And, you know, they had PBR points at that time for that. So, you know, being associated with that, of course, getting the calls, interviews, and just kind of one of those deals, you know, when you're going to, and I just knew it was time, kind of a timing deal. I just, I knew it was, I was ready to go and, and do that so I went to the NFR in 2016 and round four ended early I broke my collarbone and then uh from there that January I went to my first velocity event in Roanoke and and uh ended up winning that and then got on tour and that was from that point you know that's the rest as they 20, say 2017 yeah 2017 and I still rodeoed in 2017 some too 
uh, had some, you know, I think I ended up top 30 that year, but my focus had shifted to the PBR at that point, and that's just where I wanted to be. And it was one of those deals I think I developed for sure a lot in the PRC. I learned a lot, and I, you know, I wasn't looking. I wasn't ready at 18 to go to the PBR, in my opinion. Right. Like to be, I would have been successful, but you know, it had been a top 30 guy. You know, I wouldn't have been consistent or uh, been able to handle the the whoopings you take over there mentally more than anything. That I wasn't ready mentally for that. You know, so and just as I developed and and accomplished some stuff in the PRCAs when, you know, then my focus was just shifting toward PBR at that point. One of those deals couldn't stop thinking about it. So, and it was affecting me where I was at. So I knew it was time I needed to go and and try that and start over, you know, so. You'd already won it. Fuck. You'd already took the title. Yeah. I I tried. (laughs) I got a question on that, Cody. Like when you said you're getting sour, does the miles like, you know, three, rodeos a weekend i know in the winter you can you can hang out in san antonio and and fort worth for a few days like it's it's kind of like calgary right you got your pools but was that getting old the travel instead of flying like you do today and i guess i guess you probably didn't realize you know you look at the pbr schedule you know you're flying to the majority of them you're one spot was that a was that a big factor in the in the switch for you oh yeah you know i think they're so different, you know, that's why everybody always compares the PBR and PR. There's just so different in so many different ways. Uh, you know, like you said, the travel in the PRCA is a lot different. The challenge you face in the PRCA are different than what the challenges you might face in the PBR with as far as the, the heat you're getting on. You, you don't really get a break, you know, in rodeo. Uh, no, I'll, I'll come back to your travel deal. So I'm not getting off of that, but just, you know, I never got in a low some rodeo because you you go you get, some, and, you get on the odd 19 you get point. a break yeah you get a break <laughs> in action like everybody did you get on practice pools you get on practice pools i don't because you always had that break to kind of turn things around on you know and then you might be 79 or 80 then you feel good and you roll on you know uh whereas in the, the pbr you don't really just get that day off very often just to kind of flip a switch or turn things around and it's just being on the weekends too but uh yeah, it was definitely a big change. But when I when I say that getting sour, yeah, the traveling, I I bought a place at that time, small house, and uh, me and Caitlin had been dating a few years, and uh, you know it was just that, and I was just you know blank, complaining about the judges and drawing, you know, just all this different things that I was letting affect me because mainly I was just one of those deals. Like I said, I couldn't get couldn't stop thinking about going, making the switch to the PBR. It was affecting me where I was. It's ultimately, I knew I needed to change it up, you know, and, and make the switch. But uh, yeah, it all, it's all different, you know, and you hear guys going to the PBRs, you know, after, after a few years, they say, you know, they get, get worn out, burn out on that. You know, they say it's the same yeah. thing every weekend, same setup. And then they go on a rodeo because it's different. So it's just like, yeah, it's just, you know, different, different time of your career, different point, you know, I guess, you can find the good and bad and everything. It's just yeah, funny how exactly funny right. how funny how guys find it at different times. You know, yeah. do that. But. You want what you what you can't have. Lots of the time. Yeah, you yeah. Exactly. All on one side, and you want the other side. Yeah. I remember that when I was eighteen, going to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, has 
having kids and and a family and everything now has that uh, affected anything that you that you do or, or how hard you want to go? Uh, has that changed a lot of stuff for you, or is it just uh, there? They look like they support the shit out of you and and love everything oh, yeah. what you're doing. I but is it different? Absolutely. It is a lot different, man. I look at bull riding a lot differently. You know, it's more of my business, and and you know, people always you know say you don't want like you don't want to make a job. You don't want to. But I, it is my job, you know, and I enjoy looking at it that way and being a professional about it, you know, and used to is just, you know, running, running loose and wild and just, you know, staying gone for months at a time. And it, it's funny. And, and I made that transition to kind of growing up and maturing and, 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 you know, I always took it seriously. I'm not saying that, but just looking at it from a different angle, you know, I have a mortgage, I got bills, I got two kids to support a wife, you know, and, but I enjoy looking at it that way and handling it like a business. And, um, just my you know it's just funny you have to make that mental switch and every guy comes to that point where they want to start a family and they they have to do that and that was I kind of enjoyed that you know looking at bull riding from a different angle as far as that goes and that's been the biggest change but you know my my love for it and drive and fire hasn't changed at all you know when I it's time to go it's time to go it can be harder at times but like I said I look at it's, it's my profession it's what I do for a living how I provide for them so that's the biggest way it's a you know, it's changed me. Having a family is how, how I look at bull riding, you know, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to ride bulls, you know, for that reason to support them and doing what I love still, still able to do it and support them. So that's a pretty good outlook because you could just, yeah, go the other way on it. That's yeah. It's funny. That's good. That's good. Um, go back, uh, to the beginning. Um, your dad, I hear, is a total legend, fucking badass dude. Uh, did, did he get you in the uh, in the sport? Is it generations before him, or what's the what's the teal history in the rodeo? Yeah, so, so my dad, he was the first one in the family to rodeo or ride bulls, you know, and he did it. He had his card. He'd buy you know, on on and off through the eighties and uh, rodeoed. On a, Ricky Lindsay was the guy that he went with. And, oh you know, shit! And inspired him. <laughs> yes. all, you get your dad on here. Yeah. <laughs> Get some Ricky Lindsay <laughs> I know. stories. Yeah. I'm old enough. It's so Tanner's Tanner's dad. Oh yeah, Ricky Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. All, the, yeah. all them guys are old. Yeah. yeah, all the all the crazy stories you hear about him and my dad has said this, but when you'd get him off by himself, like he's that guy was so knowledgeable about bull riding, it was unreal. You know, just you know, you'd get him away from all of the hoopla and putting on the show. He he could really had really good talks about bull riding. He learned a lot from him, I think. Um, so that's cool. And I still see Ricky from time to time when I go to like an open border riding around here, he'll pop up. He doesn't live too far from here, but, um, so that's what my dad did. And then there at the end of his career, he quit and right before I was born and, uh, just going to those open border riding South Texas stuff, you know, so, um, never really had the support just to, you know, keep going or and never in his mind, I guess, and he'll tell you he just didn't have the drive just to stay gone and keep going and commit to try to make the finals, you know, see it through. But, but no, that's how I got started. Of course, it's, you know, seeing all the pictures, hearing the stories from him is what uh, got me interested in to wanting to ride bulls. And uh, from sure, I had a lot of support growing up from him and my mom both. So it's a big, a big part of, of my career, you know, getting started and, uh, you know, being a kid with not the most, not the most talent at all, you know, but I was always, found a way to be successful from, you know, the youth ranks, high school to amateur to professional. I think mainly because of that support, you know, I didn't know any different, uh, getting kind of naive, I guess. And just, you know, yeah. saying I want to, and it just all, it worked out, you know, so 
big, big part of my career is having my dad and, you know, he'll still, he'll still call and give his opinion and advice, you know, and he'll say now he's in, you know, I, I can't tell you, you know how to ride, you know, but he's still a little technical fundamental deals. We, we talk, yeah. you know, you always have that guy you talk to about, you know, you call and talk bull riding, you know, so we still talk bull riding week to weeks. It's, it's cool. That's badass. Were you always, were you, were you always a taller guy or did you hit a growth spurt and then had to figure out how to ride as a tall guy? Cause for those that don't know, you're what are you? Six foot two, six tallest guy on six, two. Six foot flat foot. Yeah. So yeah. Were you always taller? Did you have to figure out how to ride that way or how did that kind of yeah, affect you? So I hit my growth spurt after my freshman year of the summer, you know, before my sophomore year, I, I just, when I did a lot of my growing. So yeah, it was a big, I had to kind of readjust and, and figure it out uh, for sure. But, you know, that's what people ask, you know, is it harder being a, a taller board rider? And I was like, well, honestly, I, I don't really know any different. I've, I've been tall most of my board riding years. Yeah. I really can't tell you, you know, but yeah, uh, doing all right. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, you just, you do the fun, fundamental basics, right? No matter big or small at all. That's what it all boils down to, so. Well, yeah, back back when I was six, I was getting jerked down all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. So sure. did you have lots of success uh, in those youth ranks and, and coming up in Texas? Uh, were you like the hotshot kid coming up like the fucking John Crimber right now? And also, no, 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 I wouldn't like the John Crimber, not on that level, no. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you're like Trey Benton and, and Reed Barker. Those guys were the junior bull riding like who's your daddy junior bull runs a bad company rodeos those juicy two-year-olds they were just riding everything and reed 16 years old at cowboys dance hall in san Antonio, just winning the open bull ride like those guys were for sure and we went you know in high school we were buddies like we'd go to the open bull ridings when i was 16 is when i started going to the to bigger bull ridings open deals in south texas and reed and trey were there so we were around each other a lot growing up and they were always more talented but uh in my opinion, but you know, I, I just I was I found success, and then my junior year I won state and Texas state finals in high school, and then won it my senior year. Um, never did any good at nationals, but uh, but yeah, it was it was cool growing up with those guys. I think was a big was a big uh, a big part of like developing. I guess you know that was kind of the each first other. you know yeah you just yeah. kind of build off each other like you know like being a young guy and. And they were more talented for sure, in my opinion. But it made me made me better, I think, you know, being around them. And uh, and Reed was good. And he knew he was good, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it was cool being around him. He, I think it helped my confidence, you know, not that I was arrogant or cocky or anything, but just, you know, it helped me feel like I belong and, and settled in a little more. But those started getting around the grown men and stuff like that, you know, it helped a lot. So it was cool. Hell yeah. So then, then you turn to turn pro at 18, get your card. Uh, you and Brennan are pretty good buddies. Brennan Elder, are you guys, did you guys travel together? Who'd you roll with in those, in those? Yeah, man, right off the bat, when I turned 18, I turned 18 in June, I was committed to trying to win this amateur association in Texas. I saw it through those finals were in October. Um, I won that and then started on my permit. I went to a few rodeos that fall. I started rodeo with Bo Schroeder and Howdy Cloud. Yeah. Um, Howdy did all the entering. You know, Howdy went to the NFR three times. Uh, and he literally – I grew up a mile from where he lived there in Coons. Like, I could rock to his house. and uh, But he was never home. He was always rodeoing. So, I never knew him growing up. Uh, but when I turned 18, he told me I could jump in with him. And uh, so, 
in that fall of 2011, I filled my permit. I won a couple of pro rodeos there in Texas, small deals. I think between both of them, I had like 4,000 won that fall. Uh, I was ready to roll, and then I got got in the wreck in November and ended up busting and testing, got hung up, and was in the hospital for probably, I think, a total of like almost 30 days. Had to have two surgeries, Ooh. get that fixed up. Then I just bought my card, so – that was a big damper, you know, and watched all 10, <laughs> yeah. I watched all 10 rounds of the NFR in the hospital bed of the 2011 NFR. I watched all 10 rounds, you know, so just, but it was still fired up. And I think I came back that March of, uh, I mean, at 2010 NFR, I'm sorry. And then March of, uh, 2011, I came back and it was slow going for sure. And, uh, kind of got it rolling and, you know, going with Howdy with them entering me, uh, we left like in June, I think went to like Reno mid June. Didn't come back. I didn't go. I didn't finally come home until August. I finally had to because I sprained my ankle or something like that. But it was a big learning experience for sure, you know. But I think going with him helped me, uh, you know, just learn how to be a professional about stuff. You know, I was still, I'd get mad and, you know, pitch a fit, for instance, to getting all bucked off. I would take the buck off so hard, you know, but him, he'd buck off five, six in a row, whatever. He didn't, you know, just keep it rolling. And I learned a lot about the mental side of that, uh, being a professional board rider, you know, because you're getting on every single day. And I think just uh, having a guy like that entering and traveling, learning the ropes and stuff was a big part of me developing, you know. Uh, and then got, got through my rookie year. I think I ended up 20th that year. And just uh, went into that fall, had the All American Finals that time, ended up winning it. And then from there, man, going into 2012, won the circuit finals, and then was placing all the winter rodeos, won San Antonio in 2012. And that was kind of where it took off on that run to win the, the world title that year, you know. But a big part of that was just learning, learning a lot in 2011, you know, learning how to lose, learning how to win, and all that. So yeah, it was definitely a big, uh, Big point in my career. Learned a lot for sure. My rookie season. So hit the hit the world championship really early. By the way, Howdy Cloud. Fuck, that's a sweet name. Hey, that's, <laughs> yeah. What a handle that yeah. is. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Twenty twenty twelve though. So yeah, one of your first years at the NFR coming in. Who was it? Who were you riding against? Or who was like in the running for the the world championship? And what was that that NFR experience like? I think I remember you riding Whiskey Jack. Was that was that? Yeah. One of the last yeah. ones. And Round then three. Yeah. Round when three when the world jack. walk us through this this NFR, this world championship. Oh man. It was really a horrible NFL. I think I only rode four bulls and you know, I won. I was started off, I was like 77, I think, round one. Got almost I got a rewrite option round two. I kept it. And then round three, I went the round on whiskey jack. And then after that got pretty cold and uh rode one more bull and just, you know, just luckily my season kind of carried me through, but it was me and JW Harris in there and he he was riding on me i think think i had i had a little lead on him going in there but ended up coming down winning it by i wanted about a thousand dollars oh yeah. it was it was getting, getting close but yeah it was and that was a big learning experience too in 2012 nfr you know just just kind of almost fell apart out there didn't really finish like i wanted to so i knew going into 2013 that was a big goal of mine is getting back there and finishing strong and uh you know Winning the world title, that's I'd say is my biggest accomplishment. But coming back in 2013 and winning the NFR was yeah. it meant a lot because I, I went eight for ten and kind of, you know, for me it, it was just kind of put a period to that. Like, you know, I've kind of did 
did what I was supposed to do in 2012, went back, went to NFR and performed and ended up second that year to JW. Uh, made a late push, but didn't quite get enough in it. But, you but know, that was... The banker, the banker was happy to see you when you got home from Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I had a little more so money 20, going home that year. So. Yeah, in 2012, did you get any uh, big ground money wins on any of those four bulls? Mm, no, no big ground money win. I think I won like around 40, 40 to 50 between between the four of them. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think in 20, 2013 and 2015 when I won the finals, you know, I, I was pushing close to 200000 at both of those from ground money and everything. And yeah, t- 2013 ground money didn't count. I don't remember in 15. I don't think it did either. But, but Where yeah, do you I, stand on that? Should it count or shouldn't it? We, we need to have a, like six guests for this and, and get after this ground money thing. Man. And then I'll go back to this year when Josh was a Josh Frost and Stetson were the only two to stay on. Yeah. They split it all. Yeah. And he yeah. and Josh kept a, like a 50 something for a score, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was like a 50 something. Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Man. And then Stetson, Stetson had three freaking rewrites, I believe. I think that was the yep. night he got on three bulls at the end. Yeah. Or else it would have been. What is it, 70-some thousand in a round? Yep, yep. He ended up riding the high-rise, I think, split with him. But, yeah, no. I think – I mean, it, it's going to count all year. It has to count there. I mean, yeah, it's a big significant difference. But the way the way the money counts all year long, uh, ground money, then it has to count all the way through, in my opinion. So, but, you know, I've benefited from it, and it's also kind of got me, I guess, too. But, but uh, you know, I think it yeah, changes the way guys rodeo. Happy. You won't yeah, keep everybody always, happy with it. Yeah, like – you know, it's always going to be someone not, not okay with it. But during the year, I think it changes the way you can rodeo too, as far as going to a smaller rodeo, you know, and you, you know, a lot of guys aren't going to be going there. Uh, the top guys are going to be going there. So, you know, you factor in what you can win in ground money, it kind of changes the, the way you might go. I know, I know I did that some last year, ducking off to some smaller rodeos close by in the fall time when guys are slowing down, you know, and being the only one of two guys to stay on or something and getting all the ground money. So, it's there's a lot that goes into it, I think, strategy wise, too. As the year goes on, right now, everybody's going to everything, winter rodeos, but when things kind of spread out during the summertime, you know, I think strategically you could go a lot of different directions with that. So, well, I remember that in the old days, Scott. Remember, there'd be fucking 60 entries every week through August and then Pincher Creek. That was where it just ended. You know, <laughs> if you weren't in it, you might be lucky to get eight guys entered or 10. Yeah. Well, maybe not eight. That might be a stretch, but it doesn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So Teal, you seem like a like I know this obviously, but like a real strategic guy. Like you say, on you'll enter some rodeos knowing that there won't be a bunch of guys going, and uh, you run your your career as a business and supporting your family. Uh, the sponsorship dollars that come in, you're not you know you're not all over social media and and uh, you know that guy. But when it comes to your sponsorship stuff, you're always fulfilling the duties that is needed. You're not afraid to to stick your neck out there and like the Yeti commercial that I've seen. That's awesome. Yeah. Riding the bull with <laughs> yeah. the cup is that. Something, oh, uh, is that is this the sponsor stuff is that something that you really focus on and make sure that you're you're taking good care of them and and that you can keep those for the future or, or how do you look about your your endorsement deals oh yeah i mean that was a big part of making the switch to the pbr too just the opportunity with the endorsements and sponsors you know and i knew that was there and uh but it's one of those deals you have to you have to keep doing your job to keep them but i've developed some some pretty cool uh, relationships with my sponsors and starting with Levi's. And as you know, getting to go to like San Francisco to the headquarters and 
mm-hmm. and just meeting people, going places that I never would have imagined. Going from riding bulls, that was cool, and with Yeti and Monster, you know, it's, it's been uh, it's been really cool. Just uh, that part of it, an opportunity that I didn't have while rodeoing, you know, just being in the PBR and 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 with that, you know, so it's a uh, it's pretty cool and it means a lot, you know. It, it definitely it's you add that into the opportunities you can with the win in the arena it's you know it definitely can life-changing kind of deal you know opportunities so but it's just uh but it can be temporary you just got to keep you got to keep going and grinding and pushing and doing your job you know so it's it's pretty it's been really impactful for me and my family so but funny funny the yeti deal you're talking about that we did that over at bujo campbell's riding with the old yeti mug in hand and my knee wasn't that great but it was right <laughs> before they did that t- team deal in vegas if you remember and i was supposed to go out there and i i just kind of had this high leap or he was just blowing and dropping jumping kicking good practice ball, and had the old mug in my hand i stepped off kind of legged off and did just stick my leg and my knee went sideways i don't have an acl or m still in it just went <laughs> sideways on me and it just crumbled and I mean, it was a good time to do it, I guess. I mean, I missed the team deal, but we were in that summer break and yeah. COVID. But yeah, it was. Oh, that was a big. That was a big ordeal, though. Like oh, Corey, Lacey, and Sean were just like, "Oh my gosh!" You know? but it was. I was down for a little while after that. Wiped him out in a commercial. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, the uh, the the workout side of things, like the how you take things so serious and you're always trying to better yourself. Are you a big, uh, workout guy? What are you doing to, to get yourself into shape? We see you on the buck ride on your social medias quite a bit. You got a little workout room back there. Yeah. Uh, are you a big, big fitness guy, big workout guy away from the arena? Man, I've always, I've always stayed in shape, done stuff to work out, but it really, my, uh, the level I was at changed significantly when I, when I did tear, when I tore my knee up, you know, it kind of forced me to, I didn't, I didn't have it surgery on it. And, you know, so 20, 2020, I was at the 2019 PBR finals when I tore my knee, ACL, MCL, and I didn't get it fixed. So went off 2020, kind of figuring that out. And uh, finally I got a plan together with a guy here, physical therapist here in town who, you know, helped me be a little more, I was about to go under the knife after the 2020 finals. I decided I needed to get it fixed because it just was horrible all year and, and couldn't stay right anyway. And, uh, talked to him and we got a plan together and the day after the finals in 2020 I started working with him and get you know hard at it and man it's been great ever since just got on a good workout program and uh you know a lot of what I do is just to be able to take the wear and tear you know and it definitely it helps with the riding I you know so I'm just being able to uh, you know move and, and feel good and whatnot but mainly I just do it to stay healthy and uh where I'm at now, just kind of managing managing the injuries that I've had. You know, it's it's been a big part of big big part of keeping me going at this point. And uh, so I'm I'm pretty pretty dedicated to that. And uh, it's been it's been really good though. It definitely has paid off with me to save me from having to sit out six to nine months with that. So it's been it's been good. Yeah. Have you have you incorporated like some Pilates or yoga into your routine, Cody, to help with the yeah? There, the there's care? movements. It's not just straight up like yogi yoga pilates but it's a lot of movements that are pretty similar to that and uh, man actually just i haven't lifted weights since high school and i was totally against weight lifting and all that just think i don't want to get all blowed up and bulky but you know after like a lot more squats and uh, deadlifts and man it's just the muscles around the knee is just it's amazing just you know being more strategic and having a professional actually help you than me just trying to figure it out on 
YouTube and all that. It's, it's mm-hmm. really made a big difference in the, in my knee, you know, like this, like I said, no, in the condition it's in, it's, uh, you know, it hasn't really had any major issues just from, you know, pinpointing on what we're trying, what I was trying to do and, 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 uh, manage it. It's been, it's been a big difference for sure. Yeah. Also, cause you're sneaky fucking tough too. Lots of people don't understand that. How tough <laughs> this guy is with, uh, the laundry list of With injuries. No, I don't know about that. Can, do you scrap? Have you ever scrapped? Uh, maybe you're like, maybe you're that quiet guy that just comes unglued every oh, day and just beats the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever have no, 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 I was, I was sitting back, the kind of instigator, but I never was the one to get off. No, the no. Borad side of things, though, like you've, you've broke both your ankles, you've, your intestines, you've broke most bones. How many surgeries? Didn't you have major surgeries year after year? Yeah. After year? Yeah, and that was a lot of the reason, and I regret it now, but, like, my first invite to Calgary was in 2013. See, I got invited those three, 13, 14, and 15. I turned it down every year because in the spring at Houston in 13, I shattered my elbow. They knocked me out. I laid out in the middle of the ring at Houston. They carried me out. So I had ten plate, or two plates and ten screws put in my elbow after that deal. So, come, you know, I thought – I missed a couple of months that year, three months. And then I, I, you know, I just thought I had to go to rodeos that one week of Calgary, you know, I regret it now, but then I just thought I had to make up ground and the same in 14. I broke my ankle there, missed all the time. So I didn't go to Calgary. And then in 15 tore my MCL close to it. So I didn't go, but uh, yeah. So man, so everything and then broke my jaw in 13 too. So I don't, Tons. Both ankles, both knees, elbow, intestines, jaw. Like I've had, had a lot of quite a few surgeries. Yeah, you, That's why. Yeah, you've had your share by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah, but you know, and then say like you wouldn't know, right? Lots of the time, like you'd show up with a broken fucking ankle and still be riding and shit like that. And me, if I got fuck, I'd be the end of the world for me. I'd be dying. Think I was dying, and Cody wouldn't even talk. You wouldn't even know that it was going on, right? He's just sneaky, sneaky, sneaky tough. And some I of couldn't those Tanner, dumb, I couldn't but... get Tanner to drive an hour and a half from his house to come ride for 10,000. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not feeling good. No, I woke up. I'm a little stiff this morning. I'm not feeling it. No, thanks. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for the offer, JD. Uh, well, that's when I was rolling pretty steady. I'd probably come and do it now. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, very knowledgeable of, of the the past. I've talked to a few different people about, yeah, there's not a bunch of uh, crazy stories. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> everybody goes back to the, your like love of, of bull riding and knowledge of like the nineties and the NFR and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm assuming when you hear like the Ross Coleman and Jess McBride podcast, um, I liked interviewing those guys. Cause that was like my memories of growing up. Was that kind of the, the same as you, that stuff really sticks out for you. Those who were, were your guys or who were your, who were your idols back in those days? Who'd you look up to and, uh, what stands out maybe as, as, uh, as the top guy or somebody that you really looked up to growing up? Man, I just admire that era of bull riders, like the eighties, that mid eighties going into that nineties, you know, with the, the same typical guys like tough and Jim, you know, Wayne and, and uh, Cody Custer, like all that, like a Wasey Kathy, you know, a guy like yeah. that from the 70s to the early 90s. Just like, so is that, I just admire that, just the, the toughness, you know, and just the, the grit and try. You watch a lot of old NFR tapes, man. And uh, it's pretty inspiring watching that. And I think I just growing up watching some old NFR tapes, I just clung to that era of board riders, you know, and uh, 
just for that reason, you know, and that's all there was, you know, they didn't know any different, but the, so that was the, the, uh, the mark, you know, and they set the standard for how you were supposed to try and the toughness you had to have, you know, and I think that's a, a big part of why they were all like that. Cause you either did it or you weren't, you aren't going to be around too long, you know? So I think for that reason, I just admire that airboard riders and you still see them pop up from time to time, different places. And, you know, kind of in awe by them. Like I've never yeah. met Michael Gaffney before and, um, saw him around earlier this year, you know, and watching his run, he did like the 91 in FR, you know, that's pretty, pretty cool. His rookie year went in there and won it, you know, and like, and the way he rode kind of taller guy, like I, you know, yeah. pulled things from that. It's pretty cool. So just his, uh, the way he went about it, you know, so but, no, I think, I think that that group and this is where I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, you could just say that about diff- all the different eras of guys, but I just, I enjoy that just the history you know you go back to the old super bowls george paul those old videos and stuff it's pretty pretty darn cool i think randy cute like that deal he made yeah not too long ago yeah it's kind of just yeah shit, just yeah. a swagger those guys say that was pretty cool yeah 100 they did you talk about houston and, and hitting the the injuries that that kind of hit you with that when you always won the award houston has the award for it, yeah. it the, the high fly award or whatever it is high fly, yeah <laughs> you won that one a few times so, yeah so yeah. maybe that place didn't uh didn't treat you all that great but a place like uh cheyenne looking back on your stats you always seem to step up to the plate you've had huge rides of 94 on chisel 91 smooth operator your rodeo days uh, is there something about that place that sticks out to you and is that you one of your favorite rodeos or what's your favorite favorite event to go to yeah, that's for sure one of my favorite. You know, just the atmosphere, whether it be the, the bull riding part up closer to the grandstands or the old arena itself, you know, it's just something about it. Just being outside, and I enjoy it. You know, I've had success there. You know, once you you find success in a place and you just kind of get in that groove when you stroll in there, whether it's a building or whatever venue, you know how that is. It's just weird how it works. And uh, that's one place that really sticks out to me just over the years. Um, you know, that's probably one of the – one of the worst on that one question, your biggest loss, worst loss, you know, I like to cling to stuff, but uh, darn near won the rodeo one year. They're all supposed to win it. Win this place in the first round, won the second round, came back at old brown sugar in the short go of Chad's yeah. back in 2017. And I did just lock up around seven <laughs> seconds in the middle of mid. I just got me right at the whistle, you know, so one big there and lost big. So it's just a, but I enjoy going there every year. It's just kind of getting that, getting that groove. Yeah. So um, I hear that urban cowboy is really important to you. Is this true? <laughs> Weezy must have told you that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I don't know. I grew up watching that movie and being down in old Pasadena, not too far from there. A lot of, a lot of good one-liners from that movie. That guy. A lot of guys don't know about. Real, definitely worth the watch if you haven't watched that one. <laughs> well, I haven't, I haven't paid enough attention. I'm going to have to redo it. It's like uh, uh, the cowboy there's a hockey movie. movie. Oh, there's yeah. a hockey movie with Paul Newman in it called Slapshot. It's from the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, the one-liners and the shit. So yeah, I have, yeah. To, I have to give Urban Cowboy a yeah. When when, are we going to travel together again this year, fellas? We might have to get a iPad going on the road. Yeah, Urban Cowboy. Get a little Johnny Lee playing. Soundtrack's really good. <laughs> Looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Teal, your, your win at Calgary, a lot of people maybe don't know, but the elements come into play pretty big at the Calgary Stampede all the time. You end up winning the rodeo on liquid fire in the 
coming down monsoon rain mud have you rode in mud like that before i know cheyenne some of them places are like that calgary always seems to be a little bit more up there but winning a hundred thousand in that type of atmosphere was that something pretty crazy in your career yeah and that was one of the that was probably one of the biggest wins if not the the biggest win in my career just because of that reason just the conditions and everything it was my first year there and it was it was pretty special i've ridden in mud bad muddy conditions but everyone was just pouring down rain and I think it started the day before in the wild card round. I rode nailed there. And I mean, it was, it was coming down even worse than that. And that was a big ride for me there. And then going into the next day, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. It was one of those deals you could, you ride it, you know, kind of like a story tale deal or whatever. And how it all came about and ended for me, but it was, it was pretty special all in all, you know, it was, it was for sure. If I got, I think it's one of the biggest wins of my career just for that reason. So very special, you know, and I, I actually ridden nailed at uh, Pinoca. That was the first time I got on nailed in Pinoca and then got on there at Calgary. I was able to get on two more times since then. That was a, you know, pretty special bull himself, you know, but it was having them there in the rain like that and getting the road. And it was, it was pretty cool. And then winning the hundred thousand on liquid fire. That yeah. Big scary motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> hey Scott. Hey, yeah. Man. yeah. yeah. He, he about ate my lunch too. I got off in a bad way, like right by the fence, and there was just he just wheeled around. There was no space between us, like, oh, but he just passed me by. But for some reason, and it was, it was pretty cool though. But bull, on a bull like that too, just he was just soaking wet and hot, rolling in there. He was rocking and rolling in the bucket shoes, as do most bulls. I came to find out when you go north, like they're, they're big and they're, they rock and roll in the bucket shoots, you know. But it's, it was cool. So. I was going to ask you that too, because um, if you look at lots of your world finals picks, uh, you always, a lot of the times, go to the Canadian bulls that come. Yeah. There. Is there something, the the size or the heat or, or what, what kind of draws you to those Canadian bulls? Yeah, I like the size of them, you know, and, and, and that, you know, and they're all really good, you know. But yeah, it's funny. They're like, what is that? Barama Boots Chrome was yep. going in 2019 and was able to get by nailed when he, he, I got on him at the finals when he came down there. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. The first time I went up there was Pinocchio, I think, in 2014. And that's the first thing, you know, just some big rodeo-looking bulls back there. And uh, they were all really good. And after after going that first year, you know, I, I came back rodeo and I'd come up when I could because there's always great bulls. And I think that goes to show this. So look at all the, the bulls that are down south now from, from Canada. It's, it's unbelievable, really. It's like – yeah. so many so many great bulls from up north so what's your what's your mindset when it comes to to bull picking you're a guy that i always found the bigger meaner bigger, better the reputation whatever it might be the better you you ride bulls like chiseled smooth operator the one that really stands out to me is when you rode seven dust i think in st louis or somewhere like that but bulls that bulls that other guys don't ride they don't get along with or whatever it might be is that make you want to ride them more lots of guys it'll it'll go the opposite way and have an excuse of of not riding them right it's like well what the fuck am i supposed to do but you you were you always step up to the plate and you seem to ride those ones better and have had success uh is that something that you that you strive for or is that just natural to you man i think it's just you have to get that fire i think like you talk about seven dust that time i had him it was in st louis Mm -hmm. i came back last in the draft i didn't pick him like i had him but you know obviously it wasn't one you'd pick if you had a higher pick but when I knew I was I knew 
Like there was three guys left, and I was in that last hole in that situation. And uh, you knew what you were getting. I knew I was getting on seven dust. You know, so my yeah. motor, I switched my mind. I just got that fire, and just kind of you just get mad, you know. And that's what I, that's what I do. I'm like a bull like that, that you know, obviously no one wants to get on. It's hard to get by. I mean, but you just gotta get fired up and get to that next level. And I've always been able to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to. It, it, it just gets my motor running when a, when a big stout bull like that rolls in there. He's hot, you know. It's just so funny how different those bulls are. And those bulls like that you talk about, they play the game, you know. Like Chisel, he's pretty cool and calm. He can rub in the back pins. But even him, he'll roll in the bucket shoots, and he presses that right shoulder on the mm-hmm. gate. Like, he's ready to roll. Like, you know, I call it they're – all, they're all talking crap in there. You know, they can – they play the game. And that gets me fired up, too, like how smart those bulls are and just how much – how competitive they are. It might sound crazy, but they are, man. It's nuts. Yeah. And – uh you know, that gets my motor running. Bulls like that, that are just so smart and love it. And I feed off their energy, you know, when they're big and mean like that, like it, it gets me rolling, you know, and I think that's how I've been able to, to do that and get by those bulls like that, you know, just kind of that switch, you know, using, using that energy they have and intensity and I just feed off of it. And I, I like getting on them, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's cool. Teal would have been first in line in Las Vegas for the NFP tat, I think. Oh, fucking right. That's what I said. He, that's what I mean. He's sneak, like, he's quiet, calm, cool, collected, but this guy's a bad one. Like a, like a, remember Nathan Shopper, Teal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? He was, he was always calm and, and quiet yeah. too, but then, you know, snap long, John. Like, you know, it's like the, the, you guys have that, have a, have a switch, that mindset. It's like the, Quiet but bad motherfuckers, badass bull riders that ride the bad ones, ride the rank ones, world champion, right? Like, it's cool. That's why I love getting your mindset towards it because, you know, a guy like Chase Outlaw would go about bull riding a different way than you would go about it, right? On the outside. So it's always fun to see the different guys that have success, the different mindsets that they have towards it and what works for, for every guy. So it's awesome. You know, you know, like back in the old days, that's Scott Breading right there. Chill. Just show up. Yep. You'd hardly, you'd have to force him to say hello almost. And then he just yeah. snap out Sugar Ray for 95. Yeah. 97, yeah. I think he was. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. Well, 95 <laughs> once and then 97 later. I think he yeah. broke that, tied yeah. the record and then broke the broke record. It. Yeah. That's yeah, he wrote him twice that year. Teal, what's uh, huge rides, huge scores, 94 chiseled, smooth operator we've talked about. One of the only guys tried riding solo. Back in the day, the rodeo days too, maybe it was clinching the world championship. What's what stands out, Calgary Stampede? What stands out as as your your favorite memory within the sport, favorite ride type of situation? Is there is there one that stands out more than more than the others? And it's uh, it's hard to say. Just it's hard to nail down just one. But uh, you're I mean, good, that, eh, Cody, when you're that fucking good, it's hard you've to had so many of them. Hell yeah. No, I'm saying that. But, you know, I'll say I, it. I'm saying it. I take pride knocking down those bull of the years, you know, whether they were PRCA bull of the years or PBR, like, you know, I, I enjoyed those moments having like a cat blue PRCA crystal deal spotted demon, like knocking some of those down the PRCA side. And then, and then the PBR bull, you're like, I like, I like those moments for sure. Just being matched up with those bulls and being able to get them road. Like, I, I mean, I take pride now. Like, I like to say I was able to knock those downs in those different moments, but, um, as far as like situation and everything that that they ride in Calgary on liquid fire really stands out to me just just the whole day and how it all transpired. It's it's pretty special to me. Um, so and and like I said, that was kind of a point in my career where I was you know make about to make the switch to the PBR and just that little extra the win the confidence you gain off that has kind of helped propel me into just jumping into the next year and, and rolling on with it. So 
that one stands out to me, you know, of all the NFRs and moments, you know, it's that, that right there is pretty special to me. Okay. Okay. Well, this is wicked. And I got, I got a bunch more for you, but we won't keep you, uh, all day, but it's been fun uh, racking your mind and getting your thoughts on some cool stuff as well as the team stuff. That's going to be fun to watch and look forward to seeing where you can go. Um, before we do end her off, we have our infamous question that uh, that we ask everybody who comes on the show. So, Cody Teal, what does hashtag NFP mean to you? Man, the first thing I think about that is just like, there's no excuses. You know what I mean? Like, it's so easy just to, to find her blame do the blame game and whether you know I'm bored riding I'll just use that for instance you know just you find a reason to, to make an excuse and whatnot but I think just holding yourself accountable in every situation bull riding life just no excuses man you know take it take it as it comes take the blows and roll with it learn from it move on you know and I think that to me that's what that that is just to, the, the definition of it is a guy that just doesn't sit there and whine and cry and make excuses but just take it on the chin and, and just keep rolling with it you know that's that's what i that's how i, I take it anyways oh i can eat so nice. i like it okay before we let you go uh in the future here looking forward team series coming up you're 29 years old turning 30 this year wife two kids uh what's in the future for uh cody teal goals uh, just taking it day by day. How long, how long do you think you're going to roll for? What do we got? What's, uh, what's the future looking like here for Cody Teal for the next little while? I kind of reset in my career because I was getting to the point, like, what do I want to do? You know, where do I want to go with this? And after the finals last year, man, I said five more, five more PBR finals. That's what I put the mark out, you know? And, and then as far as how, uh, specific I get year to year, that'll vary of course, but that's, that's my mark. You know, as I've gotten older, it's something like, I've, I've really had to focus on like what, you know, where I want to go with this and what I want to do. I had to, I saw I made that mark five more and uh, this is, this marks one this year. So that's what we're working toward and how specific each year get may vary. So like what I want to accomplish in your year, but that's, that's where I'm at now and where I want to go with it. So that's the plan. Oh, I love it. Okay, buddy. Anything, uh, anything else that you want to do? We always ask everybody at the end, if there's any other stories or anything else you want to promote or anything like that. Yeah, that about covers it. I'm just was thankful y'all had me on. I enjoy the podcast. Enjoy, you know, to be able to be in the same group of guys y'all had. It's pretty cool. So thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we only yeah, have brother. the best, Cody. Just only remember that. Nothing but the, the best here on the NFP podcast, pal. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Awesome. Okay, Cody. Well, we, uh, we appreciate your time very much and look forward to cheering you on. We know you got the toughness and the skills to, to go as long as you want. So we'll be cheering you on. Uh, from everybody at NFP. We appreciate you and look forward to to seeing what you can do and hopefully get that world title or a a team championship on top of that. So thank you much and thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thank you guys. My real friends never hearing from me Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me That's why I pick and choose I don't get shit confused I got a small circle I'm not with different crews We walk the 
same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same building, but we got different views. I got a couple cars I never get to use. Don't like my women single, I like my chicks in twos. And these days, all the girls is down the road. I hit the strip club and all them bitches find a pole. Plus, I've been sipping, so this shit is moving kinda slow. Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go. Now tell me how you love it You know you're at the top and on the heavens right above it We own It's your money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright Now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch Shit, dick I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back because I shoot first